Gamers, it's time for some fun online with your <laughs> fortnightly guide to the rootin' tootin' world of Sonic the Hedgehog, as he was in 1996 via the UK's official Sega comic. We're your humans who think we're in charge. I'm Dave Bulmer. And I'm Chris McFeely. Very impressed with that you. introduction, I must say. He wrote yeah. that one out himself, Boomer. <laughs> yeah, right. Prepared it ahead of time with little references. It's so referen- Lots of doing. references, yes. <laughs> they will all be explained as we go along. <laughs> Yes, this is issue number 87 of Sonic the Comic, cover dated October the 1st, but released on September the 18th. Free stickers. Free stickers. Tell me what they are now and I'll remember them with my mind. There was the cover of issue number one, Sonic oh, yeah. doing his run. There was Tails running across the Emerald Hill Zone landscape, which was taken from the uh, the profile page of Tails from the first uh, summer special. Although I'm not sure if that was the origin of the artwork, but that's where, where it was first encountered anyway. Yeah. Uh, there was the the Knuckles piece. Of course, and Sonic and Knuckles going at it. Ooh, I love it. That's it, though, unfortunately, we got nothing else. They're just stickers of pieces of art we've talked about many times. Well, what I shall say, though, is that um, being as familiar with them as I am, they are very large, these stickers. Or at least mm. they're not, you know, they're not the size you would expect normal stickers to be. They're quite Yeah, they're big. not the size of a sticker. I wonder exactly how they were stuck to the cover. Can't find any pictures of what they looked like attached to the cover, but we are assuming they're on one of those little pieces of paper that's bound in with one of the staples and uh, folds around the comic rather than being stuck to it. Stick it to them, the cover says. It does. What is going on with this cover exactly? Yeah, this is not a good cover. I don't know. (laughs) This is a bad one. What are we even looking at? So the cover is dominated. Well, it's, it's dominated in two different ways by two different things. The majority of the paper is taken up. By a big all blue ink drawing of Sonic's smiling head, mm-hmm. but which is obviously placed inside a sort of target for archery purposes. Yes, that's what I was thinking. It's not immediately apparent, but it no, looks it's like it's circles Sonic it, yeah. at the center of a target. Yes, because the uh, concentric circles of the target spread out mm. past the boundaries of the page, so you wouldn't necessarily know that's what it was, but yes. But it's the other aspects of the cover that are the clues that allow you to piece that together. One mm. is that he has two, well, unsavory hits have been made around his yes. face. White splats. Yes. Oddly cut out, there's a sort of clash of outlines. There's a sort of red outline and a purple outline that don't seem to... Oh, the fact that there's all sorts of things going on. That, those are oddly applied, anyway. Well, again, it's Carl Flint, so he probably did legitimately... You know, he loves his multimedia. <laughs> probably did legitimately cut goodness, out the pieces of paper. Knows what he really I can, did. Don't! I see you going there! Don't go there! <laughs> and finally... There's a sort of secret agent holding out a gun. Yeah, it's, it's a guy in a long green trench coat, but he's mostly cast in shadow. So, yes, mm. very much looks like, you know, the stock image of a secret agent. Not at all what he is, folks. We'll get to it. But Oh, see, I've not even pieced together what it is. Is it from the comic? Yeah. Oh, okay. It's the baddie from the comic. Okay, right. Well, we'll get there when we get there, because I was just staring at this going like, I don't know what's happening. Mm. But all you can see of this guy's face under his... What I am going to persist for now in calling secret agent looking hat and no, secret agent looking trench coat. No, I think that's 100% coat. fine. Um, I think you can call it that. Is a single white circle for an eye, like a glasses lens or a mask lens, like a gas mask. Like a pair of dark glasses, like a secret agent might Secret wear. agent would, except, yeah, but inverted. So it's the white of the glasses and the black mm. of the head. And he's only half, like the, the spine of the comic cuts him in half perfectly. And he's got his arms stuck straight out along... So you know he's not it's not he's not drawn 
like he's aiming at this target, but the mm, implication no. is he's been shooting at it with his sticky splats. And he's holding a gun that looks like it ends in a plunger, like a, yes. like a Dalek arm. It's very strange, and it, it feels... Oh, of course, yes! No, I've just pieced together exactly who he is. Yes, yes of course. It's yes, quite, yes, quite, quite, now, quite, quite. Yes. It's yes. just that's not the gun that he's got in... No. The, yeah. It's a very strange cover. And yeah. to be honest, based on content later in this issue, I think Carl Flint was just a bit busy this fortnight and couldn't quite get his work done. <laughs> so anyway, yeah, plastered across the arm of this secret agent says three new stories, Sonic, Knuckles and Tails. Plus, we've also got a Sonic 2 Q-Zone, a Tintin review and Knight's News, Sega's ah. latest Saturn release. Speaking of Knight's, we're going to just flip over to the back cover to get it done with. Yeah. <laughs> That's dismissive. <laughs> Should I say it better? <laughs> well, what else can you say? It's a pin-up on the back cover of Knight's from yep. Knight's. And there's nothing to say about it. It's just a picture of Knight. It's, it's, like, it's, it's like when they used to print a picture of Metal Sonic. It's a CG render somebody's mm. done. Sega have given them this picture and said, do something with that. And they have. They've put it on the cover. Put it on a big black background. Knight's Sega's latest Saturn release. And of course they've ruined it by putting STC pinup <laughs> on it as well. It's not too bad. It's in the, it's there's a lot of negative space going on. There is. It would be yeah, it wouldn't be a very good poster with or without any of this. It's yes, mm. it's not it's not meant for doing this with. <laughs> Control zone. So what if summer's gone, says Megadroid. Welcome to STC's hot and sticky issue. <laughs> He's referring, of course, to the set of four free Sonic the Stickers. <laughs> you know that again, Sonic the Stickers. Oh, not that in a while. <laughs> Developed for all those important places like school bags. <laughs> They're designed to, well, stick just about anywhere you can get away with. And then the, the whole rest of the control zone is taken up with the uh, winners of the Cotton Picking T-shirt competition from STC number 79. Yes, and there's a lot of winners of these T-shirts. Um, remember, we asked you back in STC 79 to name the famous London site, which is home to Sega World. Well, the correct answer is, of course, the Trocadero in London's Piccadilly Circus. And here are the 80 winners who won the T-shirt. And they printed all 80, um, including uh, one of them, Alex Jones. So, not all bad news, eh, Alex? <laughs> Timely. <laughs> that was topical when we recorded it. Yeah. <laughs> Mr. Shifter. Written by Nigel Kitching, art by Richard Elson, letters by Tom Freem. They forgot to mention the colours were by John Burns, yes, so they thank stuffed you. his credit into the gutter. Oh my god, I never spied that! I was sat here going, I'm going to have to ask Chris who coloured this, because it's clearly not Richard Elson. Mm. I did not spot the... Yeah, they're right there in the gutter. They forgot to put wow. it in the uh, in the title box, obviously, and had to slap it in there afterwards. What a gaff! That's crazy. I've, that's fascinating, because that speaks of it being in place on the machine, and then someone quickly typing that out, printing it, sticking it on, doesn't it? There's something going on with the work on this issue that there's a we'll get we'll, uh -huh. we'll tell more about it right okay but for now <laughs> with the Omni Viewer out of commission Sonic is trapped in the special zone but there's evil to fight here too as Sonic discovers when he breaks up a mugging being carried out by Mr. Shifter a supervillain made of radioactive meta clay. It takes Sonic a moment to adapt to the malleable menace's shape-changing power, but he soon takes him down by stretching his body so thin that he's helpless. However, the woman Sonic rescued from him turns out to be a spy sent into the special zone by Dr. Robotnik to judge its defenses. 
and she quickly returns to Mobius to inform the evil dictator that Sonic is stuck in another dimension. Ooh. Um... Uh, is there anything past the summary? You know? First page, Sonic says, I just hope Tails and the gang are doing okay without me. I think it's interesting that Nigel is defaulting to Tails as Sonic's main friend, when really he's not written them together in a while, yeah, has he? Yeah, hasn't been that the case for a while. Yeah, Tails and the gang really are sort of separate entities at this point in STC. Well, to be fair, obviously in the last story where Kitching had them all together running wild, Tails was there. Mm-hmm. It's Stringer mm-hmm. who's been doing the big um, freedom fighter stories where Tails just hasn't been there. It's an interesting relationship that STC has with the concept of Tails at the moment. Mm. I like this bit where he comes running, he hears a scream, and he comes running down, he's on, yeah, Planet Meridian, just sitting on a rooftop on, yeah. in New Tech City. He's got planet, nowhere to go, on, he's just twiddling his Just thumbs, sitting man. on a rooftop in Marvel's New York, I mean yeah. New Tech City on the Planet Meridian. <laughs> yeah. Um, and he comes running down the side of the building. Pre-empting the Sonic Adventure set piece, by the way. Oh yeah, I suppose so, yeah. It's a very stringery bit, actually, that this kid sees him, goes past. He goes over to his mum, who's working on the ironing board, socks hanging from the clothesline inside the apartment and everything. Mum! Mum! A super fast blue hedgehog just run down the side of our building! What have I told you about making up stories? I suppose you're still being followed by Mr. Hefty, the invisible hippopotamus. Oh, but this time it's true, Mum! <laughs> and I was wondering if it was going to maybe feed back into the conclusion of the story in any way, but no. Mr. Hefty's going to show up yeah. in the last panel. Well, no, I thought maybe the kid would come and help <laughs> Sonic defeat Mr. Shifter, but uh, <laughs> it's more of a loose stringery bit than you'd think from Nigel Kutching. I suppose what it does is it illustrates this is a city of the sort that people live in, rather than Metropolis City, which is just Robotnik and a load of robots. Yeah, I suppose, yeah. Very cool bit, though, wherever he gets to the mugging. And mm. he, he arrives just as the mugger pulls the trigger yeah. on his gun. And here is the guy that I had forgotten on the cover. Yes. Because he's about to change the way he looks very soon. Yes, he's a, he's a <laughs> man in a long green coat with a big wide-brimmed hat hiding his face mm. in shadow. We hear the... We see the shot from the gun. Yep. The woman throws her hands up. But she's fine. And she's like, what? I'm not hurt. And we see it's because Sonic caught the bullet out of the air which is sick as balls <laughs> yeah it's amazing and i'm peering so close to see if there's any tipex here you know because <laughs> <laughs> it's not a bullet at all it's a sucker tipped dart yeah even though it came out with like a laser blast mm. sort of look when it came out of the gun and like... you can see the very, very oh you end can of the dart in that shot as it leaves the barrel of the gun but I could believe Kitching wrote Bullet, yeah. and before it made it to being drawn, yes. somebody insisted that it be changed to a suction dart. It just has to be. That's got to be what happened, because it's so odd. Yeah, because there's nothing is made of the gun. The gun isn't a special gun that no. shoots some kind of special dart that just happens to look this way. No. The guy just tosses the gun aside and takes his coat off, and we find out what he, what his real deal is. It makes you wonder why he even had a gun at all. Um, <laughs> well, yes, no, but it, it really does. That's what makes me absolutely sure that that was supposed to be a bullet, because why would you come up with this idea of a man who shoots sticky darts when... What he's about to be is a whole thing that he could have... Something else. I, I, yeah, I'm not know. sure why he was... Why is he shooting at all? Why has he got a gun at all? Yeah, that's what I'm saying, yeah. So Sonic can catch a bullet out of the air, I guess. Yeah, and you know what? Fine. That's yeah. wicked. Yeah. I mean, people don't use bullets on Mobius, do they? They all use lasers. You can't catch uh, a laser out of the air, but no. you can catch a bullet. <laughs> 
Feats of speed. What yeah. are we always saying? <laughs> Hello, Editor Dave here. We do have the script for this one. And yes, of course, it is just a gun and it is just a bullet. Actually, there's another couple of interesting things in this script. One of which is that it refers to the plasticine man you suggested. Um, which could mean, you know, talking to editorial there, as Nigel hands in the script. But I, generally speaking, he's talking to Richard Elson when he writes these things. So I, I, I bet this was Richard's idea. We know they had the kind of relationship where he would sometimes be like, I fancy drawing this. Can we have a script about this? <laughs> and then they would have one. So this guy says, you, you caught it in midair. It ain't possible. Sure, it's possible. I'm Sonic the Hedgehog. But I'm forgetting nobody on this crazy planet knows what I can do. And the guy disrobes and reveals that he is a big man made of purple poo. He looks a bit like a monster in my pocket. What he looks like is the absorbing man, but that uh, reference is completely lost on you. It is, I'm afraid. He's a large, naked man with a bald, rather conical head. Mm. But this guy is made of some kind of purple slime. He introduces himself as Mr. Shifter, the deadly shape changer from the Black Zone. Ooh. Don't expect that to be followed up on. <laughs> and Sonic keeps saying that he's made of plasticine, which I, I found that pleasant because it reminded me of plasticine. Yes, that that's very British, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. You, you would. I don't know what he would have been described as of being made of if this was an American comic, but plasticine is such a, a uniquely Brit-sounding way of describing yeah, it. Yeah, modelling clay, presumably. And I, I, I yeah, think plasticine like is actually a trademark. and that this... I thought it was too. I didn't uh, look it up, but I thought that was the case. I, I yeah. don't think they'd be allowed to do this if anybody was looking. <laughs> exactly, yeah. <laughs> so what this guy is, is he's actually, he's the Sandman or Clayface. Yeah. He's made of this radioactive meta-clay, which you can either harden to the consistency of concrete or make soft and squidgy. You know, just like Clayface or like the Sandman. You know, from superhero comics. Yeah, apparently. Yeah, they they, they always reminded me of Mr. Shifter, personally. Um, when um, No, it when didn't. Sonic... You didn't remember Mr. Shifter no, well enough to compare. No! <laughs> just a big goonish guy who can turn shapes mm. and has a big bald conical head. <laughs> I don't think it's a reference or anything. It's just a coincidence. Oh, dear. But, uh, oh. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I think it's just just so happens that he's a big, muscly, bald guy mm. and mostly naked. It's just a coincidence, I think. It's funny in that way. Because he is a person, essentially. But that's okay, because this is another dimension, so I don't really take issue with that. Oh, I see. He's but, a people. Yes, he's a people, uh, I see what I, you mean, yeah. Yes. Not an animal. Yeah. And also, he, this is another dimension, and apparently he's from another dimension as well. He's from the Black Zone, whatever that is. Yes. Which is presumably not the same as the Special Zone. Oh god, yeah, I didn't think of that. It's just one big zone. Just because yeah. because of how small, I think... Well, I don't think, I don't think Sonic Zones are small, but I think they're contained. Yeah, you, you think they're places mm. that sit next to other zones. You think of them as tangible regions, whereas this is used as a term for a, an entire dimension. I think we've talked before about my confusion over what they mean. What what they're on about with this special zone is just part of the special zone. And like I think I always thought that it meant that, yeah, there's the special zone, which is the way to this universe that Meridian is in. But I don't think mm. that is what... What no, it's not. No, the special zone is is its own universe. Like you can see with with uh, end of Mobius available over on the Patreon, as you all <laughs> well know at this point, that you you tried to use like warp of confusion, which was mm. like the Sonic Bible term for the Sonic One special stages, yes. as being the term for the weird bit of the special zone, as as it's been described in STC. And then like the special zone was the dimension that the other stuff was was set in. You know, you took special zone to be the dimension, yes. and then the warp of confusion was the, the 
Again, I'm sorry, I'm going to have to make a reference you're not going to get. The distortion zone between Earth and the negative zone, like from Fantastic Four, the weird bit where the dimensions are but. Right, just based on that description, that's exactly what I thought it was, yes. Yeah. Yeah. We'll get you educated yet. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So anyway, Mr. Shifter makes like his legs into goo and Sonic gets stuck in the goo and can't move. Why are my drippings with goo? And then he just punches him, you know, like Sandman. He just makes his arms long and big and he just punches him. I know him out of that film. Yes, all right. That's 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 what Sandman's in. But then he gets a bit on Sandman when what Sonic does is he manages to grab his arm as it comes towards him and then just... Vibrates him at supersonic <laughs> speed. Oh, wiggle he, wiggle he, smack into his bum. And he just, he spaghettifies. <laughs> he he collapses into ribbons, and uh, and that gets Sonic free. And then there's uh, this great bit where Sonic. This takes me back to my old days when I used to play with plasticine. <laughs> I used to see how far I could stretch it before it'd break. And then the guy goes, "You, you wouldn't. <laughs> you don't know me very well, do you?" <laughs> I'm a little tw- <laughs> He don't know me very well, do he? <laughs> what a stinker. <laughs> he ties his feet to a lamppost, grabs him about the neck, and simply stretches his body out across the entire alley, all around the lampposts and all around everything. Makes a big cat's cradle out of him, doesn't he? Yeah. And then he lets his head go and it springs away, and then the story just sort of ends there. Yes, but I like that what we've got here is... Apparently, this is a fairly generic, you know, superhero type character. Yeah, he's a goon. He's a goon guy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But I do like that the two things are Sonic specific. Or, if you like, fast moving characters from superhero comics specific. I don't like that. I prefer to think of it as Sonic Mm. specific. The vibrating him to turn him into spaghetti. And then it's still while he's the spaghetti that he stretches him out. Mm -hmm. It's a two part thing. And that's good. Yeah. And the catching the bullet. Feats Mm. of speed. Yeah. So this really is like, what if Sonic was in the Marvel New York? (laughs) I hadn't tuned into that, but it is. Yeah, well, hey, 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 welcome to the status quo of the rest of the year of the comic. Right, right. Am I right in thinking that this, like, bothers or annoys you that that's the the status quo? It's the fact, simply, that the entire status quo of the comic is changed to be what if Sonic went and lived in another dimension where there are superheroes. But setting that aside, it's also the fact that, like, they're out of game stuff, so they just have to start making stuff up. Uh And that just takes over the comic and reshapes it for some reason, you know? Right. Feels like grasping. But, you know, like, as a set of seven pages, this is perfectly entertaining. But it but it is six months of what if Sonic lived in the Marvel New York. Mm, it's going to be very interesting for me to read now that I know what that means and what that is. I really do remember just thinking, oh, a, an interesting city. But this time, looking at that first page, it's like, yeah, this is kind of a Spider-Man-y bit, isn't it? Sitting, mm. kicking your feet on the edge of a rooftop, waiting for something Lamenting to go Lamenting your lot in life. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But I'm going to try and not let this fact, like, colour all the discussion we have about the next half year of the comics, you know. Yeah, for me as a kid, it was a two-step process. With the Sidewinder stuff being, these are all made up, these aren't from a game. And then that being followed by, well, these are just joke versions of things I watch on TV already. Why is this what the comics turned into? Why is this what it's all about now? Yeah. Oh, I can only imagine how annoying that. Yeah, that that must have been frustrating. I'm starting to tune in more to like, you know, because I was trying my best a couple of issues ago to explain what an earth... I'm still none the wiser. Yeah, no, and it is difficult, but I'm getting more into it. Like, so for me, looking at this guy, who now, I look at him now, and like, I will make absolutely no argument to the contrary. Yes, this is clearly a riff on that sort of thing, superhero-y type things. But I do remember what I thought he was at the time, which was like, like Megatox, 
or whatever. Just sure. I mean, it's hard not to draw that immediate mm. comparison, right? He is a slimy purple, purple goo guy. Yeah. yeah, right. So just a guy with a thing about him. Which you could say is a definition of superheroes, but, you know... A guy with a thing, yeah. You know, but it's a very broad it's, it's one. quite a broad definition. But, yeah. And one that doesn't leave much room for anyone not to be a superhero parody at that stage. Like a yeah. guy with a thing about him. So what I saw here was not... What bit of filler will Sonic encounter this week that's a bit like superheroes? But rather... Oh no, Sonic's trapped in this world where all this stuff's going on. Because I'm still waiting for the... I still think this story is about the Omni Viewer, yeah. and it isn't. These seven pages it's are not. not. No, but at the time, I mean, I understand. I don't judge these seven pages harshly. These are mm. quite a fun seven pages. I yeah. enjoyed reading this story. You know, just because Sonic fought Sandman doesn't matter. You know, it's fine. It's an entertaining story. It's not about moment to moment individual story quality. Yeah, it's just about a big, strange change in status quo and focus of the comic. Again, I, I think I said it before, but I do wonder if it was some kind of attempt either on the part of the writers or perhaps handed down as an editorial direction who knows mm -hmm. to tap into the stuff that had become very hot on children's television yeah. marvel superheroes didn't have a huge presence in the uk before this point you know, yeah. yes the comics were released but you have to understand that in the 80s spider-man was unpopular enough that his comic was co-printed alongside zoids <laughs> spider-man and zoids was the only way you could read spider-man yeah. in the 1980s in the uk you know we used to talk didn't we about how you know sdc kept having to explain to children who the incredible hulk was and stuff exactly back in that review of the hulk I mean, the hulk being one that you could conceivably know because he had a much deeper pop culture penetration the idea of getting angry and turning into a monster and these the cartoons you know the x-men cartoon and the spider-man cartoon airing on bbc one uh, on saturday mornings i mean the x-men cartoon is the reason we have the marvel cinematic universe like fundamentally yeah. the x-men cartoon was a huge hit in america and essentially lit the fire that led to the creation of the x-men movie and everything that snowballed from there you know they are the reason that these things happen now and they were what kicked off a lot of interest in the uk and these characters and i wonder if this was a move by stc to try and ride that wave hmm. But I feel like we've said all this before, so I really have to try and not focus on the bigger picture whenever we're discussing these Sonic strips, which, yeah. which, which we'll see how we go. I really like the art on these last four panels, though, where we yeah. cut back to Citadel Robotnik and uh, the woman, Agent X-19, <laughs> uh, teleports in. Turns out Robotnik just has a teleport doorway to the special zone. But of course he does, because, um, you know, uh, he used to go there. Yeah, suppose he did. Do you know what, though? Do you know what the thought that's just entered my head? Mm -hmm. I I'm going to take this into my head, Canon. Okay. This portal doorway she comes through. It's a big screen, and it's pink. So I think yeah. Robotnik has taken the Brotherhood the of Metallics' evil Omniviewer, evil Omniviewer yes. and, uh, and bolted it to his wall. Yep, why not? <laughs> why not, indeed? Because what the heck ever happened to that, yeah. eh? They should bring that back. There it is, there. <laughs> but she says, yes, the uh, special zone forces are too powerful for an invasion. But she does have something of interest to report. You'll never guess who I bumped into. But yeah, I'm going to try and not let this bigger picture that we're entering into now color how we talk about the Sonic strips okay. in isolation too much. Because this is quite a fun set of seven pages with some good sonic -y feats of speed, some good funny dialogue, and... Uh, yeah, just it's, it's it's an entertaining time. Editor Dave again. Um, I said I would insert the other interesting things from the script as they became relevant, but then I realised, you know, I can't be bothered to find out when those points are. So, so here are <laughs> the things I was going to say. 
Chris, this is for you when you listen to the episode. I think you'd be interested in this. There is an explicit reference to Sandman in the script. At the top of page four, panel two, Mr. Shifter swings his fist at Sonic and Sonic dodges. Mr. Shifter's fist is a massive lump of what looks like rock. This is similar to that Ditko Spider-Man where he fought the Sandman. Also, while we're here, something that I didn't actually notice when we were reading the comic, uh, maybe Chris did, but he didn't mention it, so I'm going to say here, um, is that uh, according to the script, and then when I looked at it, yep, this is in the picture as well, Sonic doesn't just, like, take Mr. Shifter when he's all wiggled out and spaghettified and pick him up and loop him around things. No, he rolls him between his hands. The script says, like you would a piece of plasticine, and Mr. Shifter lies on the ground looking more and more like a long sausage of ordinary plasticine. Because that's what you do with plasticine, you take it and you roll it between your hands and it gets longer. So that's Sonic. Not not stretching him by pulling him, but stretching him by rolling him like plasticine. I love a little detail. Yeah, you probably all have noticed that already. Whatever. Refuso! Refuso! Have we confirmed that Shining Wisdom is definitely part of the Shining Force series? I haven't, have you? Yes, we have, but it does stand out from the others as being a little bit different gameplay-wise. Okay. In ways that would interest you and me. In that it's not a tactics thing? It is thing? not a tactics thing. Yeah, it didn't look like one based on the screenshots here. It's a Zelda where you walk around and you just... It's not even turn-based RPG style. You just hit people with your sword. Oh, I can get on with that. Exactly. Um, actually, yeah. the, the video I had a look at has not very much fighting in it. I actually had to look up, uh, specifically watch like boss fights to even see any fighting at all. It's mostly conversational. And the conversational bits look a lot, a lot like... Golden Sun on the Game Boy Advance, which was a JRPG. I particularly liked, I really enjoyed that, finished it. Oh no, I didn't. I got to the end boss and couldn't get any further, but I would have finished it. Just couldn't finish that last boss. Uh, You'd have finished it if you could have finished it, but you didn't yeah. finish it because you couldn't finish it. Because I couldn't finish it, that's the thing, yeah. Um, the only thing that's the only thing stopping, yeah, it. yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but it's, the style of it is that the, the characters are not pixel art, they are like odd little blobby 3D people, then squashed mm. down into pixel art. And just something about the fo the font that they talk with and the way their faces appear next to it. I'm actually quite convinced it's by the people who made Golden Sun. I'm, I, I don't know that for sure, but it looks like it is. It is. I was right. It's Camelot. And that's turn-based. And where, So that plus Zelda fighting? I'd be all about it. Give me this. Yeah, Play I, this. Yeah. I mean, it's, a, it's an absolutely dreadful review <laughs> by David Gibbon. And I don't mean it's a negative review. I mean, it's a terrible quality right. review. What is David Gibbon... Even on a... What the f*** is what David is Gibbon he on, on about? about it is The opening paragraph. What's he on about? Role-playing games where the controller is the hero slash heroine and interacts with characters. Oh, you mean video games. Yeah. Sell as fast as rice cakes uh. in Japan. Because of this, Sega have selected the best games and converted them for the UK market. Hence, Shining Wisdom. Yeah. As if... All video games weren't that. The role-playing games where the control... Now, we think controller like the joypad, don't we? Yeah. But he might person, mean the, the player. player. He does mean the player. He's never said that before. He's never called no. us the controller before. The controller is the hero struck heroine and interacts with the characters. As controller, you play a guard for the king of Odegan. He goes on to... Stop! What are you on about? 
controller. He's never done this before. And then he's like, oh, who thought up these names? Because yes. I guess he hadn't encountered much in the way of JRPGs at this point. The Kingdom of Palacia. It's your job to defend the king with your life. Apparently, imagine racist accent here. Yeah, we're not going to do it. Old Japanese traditions say it's the honourable thing to do. He's got nothing. There's nothing to this. It doesn't even tell you about, like, what the game is like. No. Nope. Starting off from your grandparents' home, you explore the place and find out interesting tales from local folk. Mm -hmm. You pick your magic spells, treasure, climb vines, and you're able to talk to people. Oh, really? But what do I do? What's the game? And I understand it can be a little hard to explain, but it's a dreadful little thing. Something about the combination of you can talk to local folk and takes an age to complete makes me feel like this is a man who had half an hour to play a game, thought that that would be enough, yeah. and barely got past the character creation screen or whatever there is. Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't, there wouldn't have been one of those back then. Whatever there is. But yeah, I mean, that. those are the graves. Takes an age to complete. Well, yes, that's yeah. this genre. Yeah, yeah. That's not a grave. That's a good thing. That's the point. It's a nice big game for people who want a nice big game. A huge game, great value for money is the rave. You know, the fact that it's big. Yeah. And, yeah. yeah. No, man, honestly, if, if it's a Zelda-type cutesy, jibby, not turn-based, yeah. not tactics thing, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd mess about that, yeah. So he's barely played this game, doesn't like this sort of game, can't hide it. <laughs> Still gives it an 84, though. Yeah, good on him. Uh, yeah. I don't know why he has, because he obviously isn't interested. He does know a bit more about Tintin. Yes. For Tintin in Tibet on the Mega Drive gets a, a more explanatory review. He's clearly managed to play a couple of levels of this one. I'm uh, I'm not putting the music from this game on. Go and listen to it on YouTube if you want to find out why. It's a bit difficult to... You, you can't really skim-read this title. Tin Tin In Tier Bet. <laughs> you, have to, yeah. you have to really concentrate. Yes, it would be better if he'd actually spelled Tin Tin right, because it's supposed <laughs> to be one word. Right, yes. But still, I won't hold that one against him too much, because to be honest, you and I both looked at that and wanted to hyphenate yes. it. Yes. So, so what do we know? Exactly, yeah. <laughs> But yeah, this is just an adaptation, I guess. The video yep. game adaptation of the book, Tintin in Tibet. It looks that way. I don't remember that one very well. I read a lot of Tintins when I was a kid, but... You know. I don't think I've ever read a Tintin. You ever read a Tintin and you read all those Asterixes? It was, yeah, Tintin was the Just Blokes version of Asterix. But Asterix is all Just Blokes too. It is, but they're silly, aren't they? they got big noses and they fall over and do silly things. Well, that's true, that's true. Oh, I loved a Tintin. Always got a Tintin and an Asterix, or a couple of each, out of the library when we would go away on holiday, sort of something to read to take with me. Oh, yeah. Tintin felt to me like you wanted to read Asterix and your mum wanted you to read Tintin. It felt educational. Oh, loved a bit of Tintin. I mean, Tintin could be quite educational. Uh, there you but, go, but, um, exactly. <laughs> but no, I loved a bit of Tintin. It was it was good uh, classic pulpy adventure stuff. And sometimes they went to the moon. Yeah, exactly. I need to get into them now. Oh, I'm surprised. I'm genuinely surprised you haven't. Mm. Like, I could understand not being into them as a kid. Yeah. Knowing you as I do. Yeah. But I am surprised you haven't investigated them now. Well, I'm fundamentally into the same things as I was when I was a child now. <laughs> yeah, but you're... you're taller. <laughs> Barely. You've got more room in you for a Tintin. Yeah, just about. Tintin's range of moves include... Walking, running, bending, bending, swimming, picking up objects, and speaking to characters. Oh, can you talk to the locals? Had a few lines to fill there, David. Had a few <laughs> lines, but... Uh... I had a look at a video of this one just to find out what bending means, and I, I, I didn't find anything. Oh, unless he means that bit where he waved his arms around and commanded the sea. I would have thought it was... Simply picking things up, you it know, must bending be. over. The equivalent of crouching or kneeling. Must be. I didn't see any of that. But what I did see that surprised me, to, to look at the screenshots here, it looks kind of bad. 
Um, the, it doesn't look great. Certainly the first screenshot they've got here, it almost looks like it might be a port of a Spectrum game or something. He's got this... Yeah, I can... Yeah. Do you know what I mean? He's He's, he's yeah. got this odd face. He's very pixely. He's got a bright red outline to him. And the second one as well at the bottom of the page, again, very odd distorted face. But I've looked at it and actually, no, they've done quite a good job of making it look not so much like the comics as the cartoon adaptation of the comics. Did you watch the cartoon? God, no. It's just blokes in that one i watched the cartoon plenty as well dun 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 What you can do, which is hinted at here in the top right hand screenshot, is you can walk in and out of the frame. Oh, there's depth to it. There's depth to it. And and it doesn't just, you know, grow and shrink the same sprite. It's a completely bespoke set of frames of animation for him to be close to the frame. It does say here, Tintin uses 650 frames of animation alone. I can believe it. Oh, enabling him to move backwards and forwards on the screen. I didn't understand that when I read mm. it. <laughs> but uh, now I understand what you're saying when you mean backwards and forwards. Yeah. Mm, yeah, yeah. And really capture the look of the original cartoon. Well, that's what you were distracted by. Comic. Yeah, exactly. You're like, well, it's not a cartoon originally, actually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it looks all right, this, actually. there's it's, But it is one of those games, it depends if you're into this sort of thing, where every bit you do is a bit different. You know, now we're doing this, now we're doing this, now we're sliding oh. down here, now we're climbing a mountain, now we're this, now we're that. Reeves action with plenty of variation as you say now with this now with that his graves are some tasks could be difficult for younger players we've heard that a lot recently we have haven't we do you ever given thinking of the children and we've got a bullet that's definitely meant to be a bullet turned into a little dart and we've got these comics at the end it does start to feel as if they've all been told make sure that we can give this to quite young kids just as the creators feel like they're pushing past their boundaries to mm. do something else. Yes. Like, the big run-up to where we are now with Running Wild and everything and all the chaotics and the metallic stuff and everything, this was really the creators levelling up. Yeah. But I don't know where we're... We're only guessing here, to be honest. This just might be a David Gibbon thing. Mm. Just a Just a are you ready for some fun online, Dave? Why, we're having it right now. <laughs> That's exactly what we're doing. But I'm not ready, <laughs> and I'm going. Bye. This is an ad for a magazine, a new PC magazine for multimedia mm. kids, called Fun Online. 
and it says, if you've got a PC, you can join in the fun. Packed with news and reviews of all the latest CD-ROMs, <laughs> win the best multimedia hardware and software in fantastic compo apostrophe S every issue, no ordinary <laughs> computer mag, every issue is bulging with tips and cheats and exclusive features, plus the all-new adventures of Zocky McHacker Cybertech. Oof. <laughs> I presume that's the crocodile drawn on the cover of that's the issue. The, yes. And that's cyber tech. Yeah. There's a little apostrophe before the tech there. I assume he's a cyber detective. I assume he that's is. what he has going. See, look at me. Well, well done. Me. I can deduce this stuff. Very good. And he's got a power glove too. He's he's a he's a crocodile. I think he I think he's a crocodile. It looks like a crocodile. There's a big crocodile yeah, snout on so. him and he's, he's also got a quiff of hair that really throws off the crocodile look. And it he's is. wearing a shirt and tie and a pair of trousers and a snazzy pair of futuristic trainers and a power glove on one hand <laughs> that has energy crackling out of it. The CD-ROM, it doesn't specifically say, but I'm assuming it must mean there's a free CD-ROM, yep. is crammed with demos, videos, interactive comics, and great software from our very own lab. Fun <laughs> online for your new multimedia world, out now at all the best news agents, £3.50! Whoa! That's not a free CD-ROM by any stretch. No, That's sir. just a, You've bought a CD-ROM. Yeah. I do like the idea of news and reviews of all the latest CD-ROMs. CD. Hand on heart, you know, it, even me being into computers and interested in this sort of thing, I can think of two CD-ROMs I was ever aware of, one of which we've covered on this podcast because it's the one about the mask, and the other came with a magazine, you know, it's one of these, so that doesn't even count. I don't know what they mean. <laughs> oh, in Carter, <laughs> I suppose. <laughs> All the latest CD-ROMs. Got about. The ad has a picture of the cover of the first yes. issue. Budget games. How low can they go? <laughs> Win 101 prizes, multimedia hardware and software. Lemmings alert. Oh, hello. Poster, review and demo. Hello. That must be on the CD. Must be. Cyber glove power, two new Zocky stories and rated 21 pages of infoware and games reviews. Infoware. And the last one here says, Wired Warrior, the soldier of the future is here. Is that a game, Ooh. Wired Warrior? Or are they just talking about the soldier of the future? Perhaps in general, for, for this is clearly a magazine of and about the future. The future and having fun online, uh, released in mm. the days when <laughs> having fun online is something we wanted to encourage our children to have rather than make sure they never do. Well, this is 1996, <laughs> so this, they can't actually mean fun online like fun on the internet. They must mean fun online in the sense of, you know, system is online. Yeah, technically they could have done, but yes, I think it means system is online. I think it just means a computer word, yeah. Yeah, yeah. The fun is online now. Fun yeah. online. Oh, yeah. yeah, that's it. That's It's fun. It should be fun, it, colon, online. Fun, yeah. online. Mm. Boop, yeah. Boop. If you've got a PC... Tell me something about this, Dave. You can join in the fun. Okay, so... I went reading about this. I'd never heard of this, except presumably when I looked at this advert back in 1996. I don't remember having the magazine, but um, I looked it up. And so, first of all, it looks like it's a bit of an STC, like early days STC, in that there are quite a few comics in it and other things. It's a mix of comics and, you know, computing magazine, and it never quite comes down on either side which one it is. This is what I've been able to piece together. So Alan McKenzie, 
who we know from the Shinobi scripts. Yes. And some very early Sonics. The writer for the first one, Enter Sonic. Mm. He recounts the story of this magazine on, I think, on his blog or something like that. He, he's written a little bit about it. It was run by Richard Burton, oh. the original editor of STC. So he's essentially like stepped aside from STC to do this, among other things. Well, among many other things. He stepped aside quite a while ago. Presumably to work on 2008 or whatever. Yeah. Or whatever it is he's doing. It features comic strips of this Zocky McHacker uh, detective. What a name. Online detective. God. Yes, I know. So, Zocky. That's a nonsense that name out of the gate. doesn't mean like. anything, does it? No. no. McHacker, I get. He's a, he hacks. That, clearly what it is is he's got this glove that lets him yeah, put must. his hand on computers and now he can do stuff in them. So Alan McKenzie wrote quite a few scripts for this Zocky McHacker before he got the job as an assistant editor on this magazine, which he ended up being. And he, when he wrote them, he was just, you know, someone had said like, oh, we've got this thing. Can you write us some scripts? And he didn't think it would go very far at all. I think he said something along the lines of he expected the people paying for it to just want them so that they could pull them apart and critique them and then come up with what they actually wanted. Mm. Um, but no, the, the script he wrote made it all the way to print and he got the job editing the thing and it was full of good Fleetway talent. But they spent almost no money advertising it. It looks like it, yeah. Mm, this same page would have been printed in a couple of different things. So they weren't sure it was going to sell and they wouldn't find out what the numbers were until issue three apparently that's just how it happens that's how, that's when the numbers would come in and it was looking all right at issue three not breaking even yet but it was on its way but then something quite dramatic happened which mm. i hadn't heard of before and it led me down a little path and then it went a certain way down this path but i'd be interested to know more about it from our boomers if you know about this sound this strikes me as the sort of thing some of you're going to know about so david bishop was the editor of 2000 ad at the time and the editor of Lawman of the Future, Chris. Yes, yes. David Bishop. Mm -hmm. He describes something called, maybe you've heard of this, the Fleetway Film and Television Initiative. And this was a company that got set up to try and find licensing deals for 2000 AD properties around that time to get, you know, see if we can put Judge Dredd on the telly and what have you. It didn't do very well. Um, I'll talk about that in a minute. But David Bishop, that editor, says on his blog, quote... FFTV's best success was starting to address the black hole regarding the lack of paperwork proving Egmont Fleetway's ownership of the audiovisual rights in its own characters. Mm. Otherwise, FFTV just soaked up a lot of time and money for little return. Okay, so it seems like what happened was this company was set up to try and get 2000E stuff on TV, and very quickly they figured out, like, oh, oh, we never sorted out ownership of these characters. Ownership we never rights, actually sorted yeah. out. Yeah. So you may be able to intuit the other side of that story, which Alan McKenzie and other writers describe in rather different terms. Um, I'll say here that, you know, in case I misrepresent anyone, this is just what I gathered from reading their blogs and tweets, and I may have the wrong end of the stick. So allegedly, allegedly, allegedly. But they call it the Fleetway film and TV debacle more than not. And to them, it, it appears to have been an initiative to take away their rights as creators um. to stuff they made up for 2000 AD, making them sign away all their legal and moral rights, and that's something that specifically was said about it, to characters and series that they created for no recompense at all. Oh. So they were just handed these contracts, sign here, you will never make any money off your creations again, other than, you know, the price of a script or whatever. And there'll be no reward. Oh. I've seen other 2000 AD writers of the time echo that version of the story. And so Alan McKenzie, and I don't know if he was the only one, 
because he's only talking about himself on yeah. his blog or whatever it was I was reading, refused to sign it. And it, it, it doesn't look like many people thought of that. But Alan McKenzie refused to sign his. Now, there's no proof of a connection here, but Alan certainly draws it in the way he tells the story. Allegedly, allegedly, allegedly. It's entirely possible I read the whole account wrong. Judge for yourself at thestoryworks.com slash publishing slash magazines slash fun online. Between his decision not to hand over all of his rights to various things he created to Egmont... Mm-hmm. And the sudden cancellation by Egmont of Fun Online, his current magazine, Um. which seems to have happened sometime between delivery of issue three and it's hitting the shelf. There are people who say that it did hit the shelf and they bought it. Uh, Alan seems to think it didn't. So it was somewhere around then. The whole thing was suddenly axed for no reason. It seems to have been making normal sorts of sales. It seemed to be... He thinks that's perhaps the reason it happened. Meanwhile, the Fleetway Film and TV Initiative did not work, and I've heard that the best deal that they managed to get was to flog the rights to Strontium Dog for one pound. A pound coin? (laughs) A pound coin. Whether that was an exaggeration, I don't know, but that is what I read. So there you are, the life and death of Fun Online. Two issues and done, or three issues and done. It's a max overload, isn't it? Well, it's, searching it online does seem to imply that it was released in other countries and went for longer. Yes. Oh, I don't know if it went for longer. It was certainly released across Europe, yes. I'm seeing an issue from 1995, oh. five issues in 1996, and four issues in 1997 that looked like they were released in Germany. So it started much earlier in Germany. Yes. And Zaki McHacker's on the cover here, too, so... That is interesting. Well, now, when Alan McKenzie was talking about this, he did say quite explicitly that his brief was to write these comics for across Europe and that oh. it would be released in Germany. So maybe that's the answer, then. Maybe these were used in Europe, and then he was brought on to be the editor of the British version. That could be it, yeah. And he just simply wasn't interested in what it might be doing in Germany. Zaki's all over the covers of these things, anyway. Zaki all over the world. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I like it. But it seems like the whole conceit of this magazine was that every issue came with a CD-ROM. Hence the price. It wasn't just some yeah. first issue free CD-ROM thing. It seems like that was the point of the magazine was that it came with... This was a time when that started. I feel like I've talked about this recently, so it might have been on STCTP. Apologies if so, but we were getting a thing that was like, hey kids, classical music. Here's a dramatised story about some kids who get sucked into whatever the theme of the classical music is this episode. And you would collect them in a little shoebox looking thing to put your CDs in. My mum was getting the musicals collection, which was... The cheapest version of any given musical you could find <laughs> reproduced on the front of a magazine about the production of it. Which did give me something the world perhaps was lacking, a Bob Hoskins version of I'm getting married in the morning. Well, that's something, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Googling Zocky McHacker does bring up an artist studio called Jordan Studio. Looks like Julian uh-huh. Jordan Studio in Barcelona, who claim they created uh, Zocky McHacker for Germany for Fun Online. That doesn't surprise me. Yep, that seems to line up. What a strange thing. No wonder I'd never heard of it, though. If it only went to three issues and it was for computers mm-hmm. and I didn't have a computer yet. Mm-hmm. What year is this? 1996? Wouldn't have Six. a computer for... At least two years, I guess. That company was a a leading light, because now loads of people create animal characters for fun online, don't they? A certain kind of fun. Knuckles. The Good, the Bad, and the Echidna, part one. 
Written by Nigel Kitching, art by Nigel Dobbin, letters by Elita Fell. Making his way across the Great Mobian Prairie with his chest of ancient documents, Knuckles is almost trampled by a herd of stampeding Apteryx. When the Apteryx Wranglers arrive on the scene, chasing after their herd, they blame Knuckles for causing the stampede and quickly hogtie the Echidna and drag him off to Backwater City so the Sheriff can deal with him. No. We said we would last time, but we will note at this point we haven't watched no. The Good, The Bad and The Ugly. No. Because it's three bloody hours long and we're adults with work to do. That's an hour for every the. <laughs> but I'm fairly sure it's not about this. Yes, uh, yes. If it shares anything in common with this, I'll be surprised. Yes. That is not to say that this is not rooted in Western references. Oh, God, no. No, because obviously... Nothing but. Well, once again, it's an excuse for Nigel Dobbin to draw some lovely planes and landmarks mm -hmm. and a big full-page splash of these creatures yeah. called Apteryxes, which are like kind of like uh, vaguely dinosaurian, ostrich-like creatures. Yes, it's a sort of imagine-the-dinosaur-era ancestor of a penguin sort of a thing, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, a bit like yeah. And then the Wranglers show up and they're playing on Pteranodons. So this is going back to that, you know, the uh, Kohenu from the oh, previous yeah. thing about the idea that these dinosaurs did and or still live uh, to some extent on Mobius. But um, the Wranglers turn up and it turns out the guy who's in charge of the herd before it's stampeded is uh, a rooster named Rooster. Yes. Who is obviously a reference to the very famous Western movie character Rooster Cogburn as played by John Wayne who wore an eye patch. Thank you. See, I don't know much about Westerns, but I saw True Grit. <laughs> oh, I don't know anything. So you have to imagine that this rooster <laughs> is just John. Well, don't count me out too soon, partners. Rooster, you're all right. Sure was a close call. <laughs> I managed to find myself some cover just in time. I don't know how much of that voice is actually him and how much of it is, you know, Animaniacs him. <laughs> oh, absolutely, 100%. You know, so so much of my childhood understanding yeah. of classic Golden Age of all Hollywood these people, actors yeah. is informed by first hearing them as impersonations on cartoons that went massively over my head. Yes. As a child of that age and as a resident of a country in which they were not the icons they are in America. Yes. Tiny Toons and Animaniacs. Like, I'm sure I must have been 25 before I knew who Don Knotts was. But he was all over cartoons. <laughs> yes, that's the cartoon impression of John Wayne. See, I know it from H.R. Uh, Puffin stuff. And you've done it. Absolutely bang up H.R. Puffin stuff. So they were at least doing that exact voice for him in the 60s. <laughs> there you go, you see? <laughs> Howdy, partner. We'll be glad to help you. Thank heavens. There's the West Wind. Now all together, a one, a two. All in all, this feels like sort of five pages that Knuckles had. More than any of the previous stories, The Wicker Man was genuinely like, Knuckles stumbles yes. into a strange and scary thing, and that's the point of the story. Mm. Whereas this one is like, Knuckles really has accidentally wandered into something that he has no interest in, and he would just <laughs> really like to get on with his business. Um, he gets like electroshock prodded and roped up in a lariat, hung under the bottom of a pterodactyl, and flown off, and the story ends with Knuckles just not, just the grumpiest <laughs> little Knuckles dangling under this pterodactyl going, why do these things always happen to me? It's just, he is done. He would really like to get home with his chest, put his feet up, 
have a read of it, and then just get back to work after it takes a day or two to decompress. But he keeps wandering into these stupid situations. You can relate in two ways to this. Our age, we can relate. I've said so many times that he's the middle-aged rep in this comic because he just, <laughs> yeah. he just doesn't want this silliness to happen. But even at that age, you still feel him because isn't this just like when you've bought a new game but now your mum does need to do the shopping on the way home? And you're like, no, come on! I just need to get home and play this! <laughs> Am I missing something? Or have they not taken his chest with them? So that's just still going to be in that hole. Yeah, he, he's escaped the stampede, it looks like, by digging a hole and, and hiding mm. under a rock. And yeah, it, they do seem to have just... its uh, It doesn't appear to be mounted on the back of the uh, pterodactyls no. as they fly away. So yeah, c- could be the chest is just going to still be in that hole. And uh, again... Probably that's just a way of removing it as a concern from the story. Like, like the, remember in the Captain Crab story where we had to stop every couple of panels and go, where's his chest? Oh, it's over the ground. <laughs> <laughs> well, we know where it is now. It's in a hole in the desert. We'll yeah. get back to it. Don't worry about it. That's where it is. <laughs> yeah. And now we can do, I don't know, something with cowboys for the next couple of issues. <laughs> I mean, doesn't that sum this up? I don't know. Something with cowboys. This, yes, well, you know, the cowboy is like the superhero or the zombie <laughs> or Father Christmas. Yes. In which you can just have a story where it turns up. I got abuse off Cat for saying that uh, Spider-Man is like Father Christmas. Rightly so. <laughs> He's red. It's a very silly thing to say. He wears red. What more do you need? Case closed. <laughs> wears red, comes down out of the sky. Thank you. Only works once a year. Thank you. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I like how this strip opens. Uh, actually, no, no, I, I, I'm sounding like I'm joking. I do like how this strip opens with Knuckles saying, uh, Oh, I've, I've been away from the floating island for a long time. I hope everything's okay. And that, the reason I like that is because, first off, it grounds us. It tells us, you know, this isn't just, you know, the latest in the long adventures of a guy who turns up in different places. not Quantum Leap. Yeah. This is a guy on a quest. No, he's got a purpose. He's got a purpose. But also, it makes me feel like Nigel is reminding us that there is something at the end of this. Perhaps mm. he's got something planned for when he gets back to the floating island. Uh, what's going to have been going on up there? Yeah, you know, maybe. I hope everything's all right. Is everything all right? I, I can't remember. No, I don't I'd, know. I'd be interested to find out. Yeah, I don't, it says here at the very start, only the Great Mobian Prairie stands between Knuckles and the Metropolis Zone and mm. return to the Floating Island. Not sure why the Metropolis Zone matters in this no. context. Genuinely don't know. Mm. Um, it tells us a, it tells us a few weird things. One, that apparently this desert abuts the Metropolis Zone. Okay, interesting. Yeah, and, it's Mobius. I can buy that. That's uh, yeah, yeah, it's a zone. Fair enough. Yeah. And then B, like... what? What? Is that where that big spring is that he needs to jump on to get up to yeah, the floating the island? the hope of returning to the floating island. Yeah. Well, what's there that'll... Are we forgetting something he wants to do? I guess. He's got to get some kind of transport, but... I suppose oh, yeah, that's the question is, how did he get down? We didn't see him come down. Did we not? He, uh... Oh, yeah, of course, I suppose. That's the thing. It's just occurring to me now, of course. Uh-huh. He wound up here because he got teleported into an alien dimension. And then to a village oh, of yeah. pirates. That's how he got off the floating island. He went up to the ghost ship, and then da, 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 te- went to um went to got teleported to the pirate town. So where's he even right? When Knuckles in that situation takes his chest and sets off, where's he going? Yeah, well, I guess they haven't actually said that, but I get now we know. I guess he's hadn't thought of it before right zone. now, but he's going to the metropolis zone because I guess that is a hub of commerce and industry, and uh, I guess that's where the most likely place to get something that'll fly. 
So he just wants to catch a plane. Or maybe it could be because that's where Sonic and Co. have been hanging out for literally all so long now at this point. Yeah. They've basically been living in the outskirts of the Metropolis Zone since the start of the Brotherhood of Metallics. Oh, that explains it then. He might just be, he might, maybe he just wants to borrow the plane. If they've still got the plane. Well, it uh, got blown up, so they yeah. don't. But he doesn't know that. No. No. Oh, poor Knuckles. Oh, poor old Knuckles. It's trudging a, along. It's a hard out of life for the kids out here. And then this guy is a bit uncomfortably Mexican stereotype, isn't he? It wouldn't be as bad if they didn't do the phonetic accent. The phonetic accent or the teeth. But he is a rabbit. Is he a rabbit? Okay, He's a rabbit. yeah. I don't know. There's something about there, his yeah, teeth. He, it's he the looks... fact that one's bigger than the other. It yeah, looks like yeah. the waker. Not that I'm aware. I don't even know if that's a particular stereotype against Mexicans. But just thinking back to... Well, I suppose I'm thinking about mice, really. The, the caricatures I'm thinking of were mice. <laughs> well, no, he does have the stereotypical crooked-teethed, unkempt, mm. bandito look to him. I mean, this guy feels like bad news, let's be honest here. The eyelids half-closed thing is... That, yes, that's, the droopy, the sleepy... I yeah. mean, that's part of the war on drugs propaganda, isn't it? <laughs> And then there's this other guy who's just a dog who does just feel like a goon. The fact he doesn't even get name check. We mm. got Rooster over here, and then we got uh, Cheeto, his name is. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, you know, I mean, I'll give him points for a Rooster Cogburn parody who is a rooster yep. because this is a planet of animals. Absolutely. That's, that's solid stuff. You know, I'll, I'll get that. That's a star rating. I'll give him that. Yep. <laughs> oh, I, I just actually noticed it here. So there's Cheeto. This guy is, is he's the one who blames Knuckles. This hombre must be the one who's sabotage, who's been sabotaging our herd. So something's been going on with the herd for a mm. while now. And then Rooster looks down at him and actually goes, Oh, I don't know. Where, where's that? Where's that? The second panel, last piece. Oh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> I don't know. We ain't got much in the way of proof. Backwater City. Yeah, you're not even trying with that one. But I do love that grumpy little Knuckles hanging off the pterodactyl at the end. Just, he does not want to be involved. Look at him go. Next issue... Hang em high. Mm. Okay. I mean, they managed to get a lasso over Knuckles' giant head in this one, so, you know, yeah. who knows what they could get round it next issue. News Night's News. Yeah. By Christopher Jones. That's right. So this is a uh, two-page spread explaining the upcoming game Knights, which was very exciting at the time, and uh, did actually live up to a lot of the promises that it's uh, claiming to do here, depending on how much attention you paid it. It's, it's one of those games where if you just have a little idle go at it, you go, oh, is that it? Well, that's kind of what I'm left thinking after reading this. Mm. Is Knights just a flying game, Dave? It depends what you mean by just. But yes, the way Knights plays is you start off and it's a running around on the ground in 3D game. You do do a bit of on the ground, just to, to remind the listeners, as we discussed mm -hmm. last issue, I have never played Knights. I don't think I've ever seen Knights in motion. Yeah. I know the character, you know, yeah. at a hundred paces. I recognize him immediately. But I've never seen it. I have no idea what even kind of game it was. And I was trying to figure it out from this alone. Mm. And based on this, it does sound like it's just a flying game but you're telling me there's a bit of running around on the ground. So, and it's not a flying game in the way that these screenshots would indicate either. Um, it's not a Panzer Dragoon or anything like that. Mm. So yes, you start off as one of these two kids. You are running about on the ground, but I'm struggling, and I haven't played this game much. I played it through and finished it, but that's something you can do in an afternoon. All right, okay. It's the sort of game that you're supposed to master over time, which I didn't do. 
But yeah, you're running around the ground. I can't in this moment remember anything there is to do on the ground. Except one thing, which is get to Knights. Knights is in a little, you know, like the, the containers at the end of a level of Sonic. You break him out, now you're Knights, and now you're flying. Right. What then happens is that the camera will take off, and it's essentially a 2D. Not platformer, because that's not right, but 2D fly-arounder game. But it's in 3D. So what you've got is a fixed track that your camera goes... Like, think of it as a roller coaster. Think of it as a camera on a roller coaster. So it goes in and out, it goes in 3D, but it's on rails. It is looking in a 2D way at nights. And what you're doing as you're flying is that there are sort of balls in the air and you draw your trail around those balls to collect them. You do the same thing to baddies to pop them, to kill them. But also, all of your buttons causes knights to do a different little spin or a different little acrobatic trick. And you're sort of trying to S-rank that. You're, you're doing as many as you can. Right, like, in, right, right, right. like in the Boost Sonic games, the great, awesome, that stuff. You're trying to get as many of those in. Outstanding! Yeah, well, they got that from Knights, basically. You're trying to right, get as many okay. of them in as possible and vary them. I don't know if varying them gets more points or if it's just more interesting to look at. But the different buttons on the controller do different things. And that's kind... One way of describing Knights is that's it. And that's the version of Knights I played. Now, friend of the show, Lynn Triplett. Big fan of Knights. Huge fan of Knights and, you know, really spent, you know, as, as much time on Knights as, as the likes of us did on Sonic 3 and Knuckles. Really, really, really went deep into it. And you can. It stands up to that and you can play it deep. The Chow from Sonic Adventure started in this. Really? They weren't Chow, they were Knightopians. And they were just, I took them to be background details. Just little things walking about to make it look like this land had little critters living in it. And they're described in this as uh, flicky-like, which is not the case. I don't know why you said that. Oh, I didn't realise that's what that was referring to. They're not birds. They're little Easter egg-looking guys. Little uh, blobums. Yeah. yeah. But I don't know... They should have stayed there. <laughs> I don't know what it is, but there is something you can do in the game nights by mastering it that will have effects on those guys and they'll start breeding, and they'll start being happier. And you can make good futures by doing that. You can change the background music, you can change the world by playing it to that depth. Um, in a genuinely, in a way that is as significant as, you know, Sonic CD's past, present, future, good future mechanic. And that is what Nights is. And then, on the cover of a magazine that Christmas, they released Christmas Nights. And that is not an incidental bit of DLC. That expands the game in a way that makes it even deeper again and adds all sorts of stuff to it. And I can't tell you what, but Knights fans can tell you what and they'll tell you at length and you'll be like, oh, fair enough. Both of them. <laughs> you, yes, yes, yes. Lynn and her partner Digi. Can, they can tell you all about this. Uh, I'll probably never play it. <laughs> it's worth a go, but... Well, you know, if one day it's free on Steam or whatever, or it pops mm. up on something, have a little go at it. But yes, it's it's the it, it it demands of us stuff we can't give to a game anymore because we're this age. Fair enough, I get that. I was interested by this bit at the end here, where it says a new analog joypad has also yes. been specifically produced to get a looser, easier to rule feel yes. when you're flying nights around his groovy world. Uh, they don't say what they mean by analog, because we didn't know at the time. But obviously, it must mean an analog stick. That's right. Yeah, it was a maybe the first of. I was going to say, is that the first thing? of what we consider a normal analog controller, controller yeah, joypad with a stick, stick on it? Yeah, yeah, and it and it had that, and uh, and it was a it was a funny contraption. It was a huge disc 
the controller. Just a big circle, and it had this quite big, as I recall, joystick on it. Yeah, look up a picture of it. Oh, look at that, yeah. Yeah, and it was the alternative to not a digital stick, but a D-pad, um, which would have been very uncomfortable to play Knights on. Because you would have to like you know keep rolling through the diagonal and so on. So yeah, they just made an analog stick, and it, it re- and that's what I had, and it really did make the experience very nice. This is the thing, right? Knights is lovely to play, not as much in the version you can play now on stuff like Steam. But if you had a satin in front of you with that analog stick, and it was that time, <laughs> it was 1996, you'd be like, oh, this is lovely, and it was, it it was lovely. It was reviewed rather well, I gather. Hmm. So that's good. Because... Yes, it's a love. It's a good game. I don't think anybody thinks it's a bad game because even the basic version that I've described is a fun old time. Yeah, yeah. It's just short and not very deep. And if you put it this way, if you'd paid fifty nine ninety nine for it, you'd be like, "Is that it?" It and the joypad. Yeah, but you only bought the joypad for this one game. For the yes, so yeah, yes. so that it was just like the proper way. In fact, they were packaged together. I, I presume you could buy them separately, but I don't know. It does say here the game and joypad are on sale now for fifty nine ninety nine. Though you will be able to buy both separately. Okay. Right. It is a true benchmark game for the Saturn system. And that probably is true. Yes, definitely. And remains true. Yes, it's perhaps the only. <laughs> that and Virtua yeah, Fighter. Yeah. I mean, because the say, Sonic team were busy with this instead of making a Sonic game. That's mm. why it is the benchmark game for the Saturn. <laughs> yeah, well, this is... So Yuji Naka, or Yuji Naka, uh, as is described here in the picture, but not in the body of the review. I gather that he's the sort of person who sees Sonic not as, like, in a Miyamoto Mario way, not as in like his creation, it's his child. Yeah. But it's just a job he did, and like he's annoyed when people do it badly after him. But he's not annoyed that he doesn't want to do it for the rest of his life, you know? Sure, understandable. And he already didn't. And he was like Chris at this point. I think he was about twenty-five. Oh God! I think he was twenty-four when he made Sonic Three and Knuckles. Imagine that. I'd- Imagine peaking at twenty-four. <laughs> yeah. Just what age did that? Twenty when he made Sonic the. Hedgehog. When he made the art, the poetry in code that is the physics for Sonic the Hedgehog. Now, so now he's already, you know, getting a bit. He's get. He's getting through his twenties. He's getting bullshit. He's like, well, I, I want to be known for other stuff. I don't want to just keep making Sonic. So he makes Knights, and then his engine that was made for Knights. It was so good, and it was. He'd done it again. It was revolutionary again. He'd done brilliant coding, and so of course Sega were like, well, great. Let's hand this engine off to the team over in America who are making the next Sonic. They're making Sonic Extreme. And at the last minute, Yuji Naka gets wind of this and goes, oh no, they're not. (laughs) And he takes the engine off them. And that is a very big part of why we don't have Sonic Extreme. Oh, I didn't know that. Because they were going to have to start again. I did not know that. So you're saying Knights ruined Sonic. (sighs) (laughs) That is factually what took place. Whether it would have... I mean, I mean, look... I'm not very keen on what I've seen of Sonic Extreme. I feel like that would have done it if this hadn't. No, there was a dodged bullet, honestly. (laughs) Yeah, I think so. Next issue, Elliot (laughs) Pinup. Yeah, cool. Elliot being one of the two kids. The boy out of this. And and I am willing to put money down that it'll be that picture of Elliot as well that we're seeing there. Quite plausible, yes. But just blown blown up up too large. large. (laughs) (laughs) By the way, look at how high res the bottom right screenshot is of Clarice or Clarice or yeah, whatever it is yeah. asleep. That 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 is not from the game. That well, or if it is, it's been rendered no, it's up been from a rendered FMV thing. Yeah, yeah, but it's not. It's a much higher resolution than it is in the game. A much. Oh higher. really? Oh right. So this is this is a stock screenshot from the press kit. I think so. Yeah. 
It's Muller Kids Corner again. Yes, do you remember? Do you remember, listeners, the centipede with loads of buttons so he could put his free buttons on that you can collect? Button covers, button covers. They were Big crucial, button, yeah. Dave. How have you forgotten? Sorry, yeah, they, yeah. Well, these, this is different, and this is better, in my opinion. I'm more into this. It is. It's stranger <laughs> because there's no line of thought that you can follow through. Unlike what there was with the centipede, you could work backwards and figure it out. Now, Muller Kids Corner are including a little troll yeah. figurine in their uh, trolls with the, the hair we've talked about trolls. before. We have talked about them before, and I don't think I've said this on the podcast, but an update to that. Do you remember how there was, it was some sort of giveaway with the Troll Collectors Club or something, and you could get yes. a, what was it, like a motorcyclist? Girl with cat or motorcycle guy, yeah. Yes. And which one's your favourite? Girl with kitten, it's got a kitten. Of course, that was the, yes, I was waiting to see if that opinion had changed. And I said, what I'd like to do is get the pirate one that was available because it has a gun and girl with kitten and to give girl with kitten the gun for her other hand. Well, pirate, the guy with the gun wasn't the other free giveaway, though. I think that no. was just another picture. That was another ad, one. Yeah, yes. yeah. Well, you and of this parish who's been on the show before bought me those two trolls. There they are. Can you see them? Oh, no. They're no, on my no, shelf. There's the pirate with the gun. There is the girl with the cat. The very two trolls. The very two. Good God. <laughs> Look at them there. Yeah. I have yet to see if I can uh, splice gun onto girl and create an unholy hybrid. You we'll watch see. too much Battle Angel Alita back <laughs> in your youth. You, do. you just want to splice gun into girl. It's all you're yeah, on about these days. <laughs> yeah, it's my, big, it's my big project. I've made no steps towards achieving it. <laughs> anyway, so this ad yeah. is... Ahem, by copying his multicoloured collection of 48 trolls... Alan the Chameleon scores a perfect 10 at the 1996 European Colour Changing Championships. Oh, I see. Right, because so they've got all got all different the, coloured the hair. They've all got different hair, so he's he's copied all 48 of them at once. Right. So he's a load of different splotches and blasts and concentric circles of colour. Yes. Right, so that's right. Of course, when he says there are 48 of them, what I really assume is that there are like uh, about five to ten. Eight of them, and yeah. then they have six different hair colors you can get. Now, we've talked of trolls before. You know what they are. You knew before we talked of them. Yes. But these are slightly different than the basic trolls. These are teeny tiny, teeny tiny, teeny tiny ones. First of all, they're teeny tiny, yeah. Because they got to fit in the corner part of a yogurt. Yes. Now, I'd had teeny tiny, teeny tiny ones before. You used to be able to get them in egg machines outside the corner shop. You know, you 20p, turn the key, <laughs> out comes the egg. Um, these are different from those in two ways. First off, there are different designs, and they are—they're not just a single color. The color of the plastic, they are painted. So what, the, the only one we can see very well is carrying what maracas ice cream. What's he got? I thought of two scoops of ice cream. Yeah. is what I thought, but I can't swear to it. And a rubber ring and sunglasses on, and those are all colored differently. I uh, and uh, summer, summer themes. You can see in those tiny little misaligned printed drawings that there is one with an electric guitar, of course. Yes, that one jumped out at me. One sitting down on something. You can't see at this scale There's what no, they are. Don't, don't hurt yourself. But the other thing is that their hair has been cropped very short. So they've just got a little spray of hair instead of the trademark big point of hair that these little trolls had. No, these are just little punk ones with a little almost mohawk. Well, I don't think you could get the hair too long on little guys like these. You, well, the one in the eggs with a normal length. Oh, were they? Oh, so, well, maybe these are even smaller than those. Maybe they are, but uh, 
Anyway, this is... It, it looks like they're put in in the same way. It's just that then they're chopped short. Yeah, maybe they cut the hair to fit them in the corner box. It, yeah. Oh, what? God, I better know why they cropped the hair. Mm. It's so that it didn't get stuck in the glue as the lids were getting put on. Oh, yeah, possibly. I'm a Muller corner enjoyer. I eat them quite often. Known Muller corner enjoyer, Dave Bulmer. Yep, yep, yep. And quite often, you'll get a grotty little bit of jam that's got through as the lid was getting stuck on, mm. and it'll be it'll be all wrong and dried out that didn't stay in the little corner pot. So that'll be what they're avoiding there. You're probably right there. I wouldn't mind having a couple of these trolls. I bet they're collector's items now. I would have, I would have, I would have loved them at the time. Little toys, little different, different colours as well. Different, the guys who are different. Co- I mean, because I'm, I'm <laughs> presuming, as I say, is that there are a set number of molds. Yeah. And then there, are, each one is available with a certain different. Yeah, color it's not going to be forty. And that makes forty-eight total. So it's probably yeah. six. Yeah. No. It's probably eight designs with six colours of hair each. Must be, mustn't it? Why are you settling on eight? Because eight times six is 48. Thank you, you done a maths. Tales. Easy Target. Written by Lou Stringer, art by Carl Flint, colours by Pre-Press, letters by Tom Frame. When Tails saves a unicorn named Forlock from a badnik attack, the mysterious stranger offers to grant him one wish. Tails wishes for Mobius to be free of Dr. Robotnik, and suddenly finds himself transported to a building overlooking a parade route with a gun in his hands and Robotnik passing by below. Forlock tells him he can free Mobius by simply shooting the Doctor, but Tails refuses to take a life, and the whole scenario disappears. Revealed to have been an illusion created by Forlock, a visitor from another world, to test Tails' morals. Forlock congratulates Tails on making the right choice and disappears. Fascinating. It's been a very long time since we had an issue that was quite so infamously yes. shared around on social media out of context. Yes. But there is no context but that. No, there's a... I still don't think it's as weird as everybody makes it out. Not when you read the rest of the issue and, and when you know where it's going. But it's pretty weird. Yeah. So, actually, I guess there is context to it. But I, it is still the case that Tails is being invited to, you know, bookstore window. To John F. Kennedy, Dr. Dr. Robot- yeah. Robotnik. Like, to f- go full Lee Tails Oswald. <laughs> to go full Miles Lee Tails Harvey Oswald prior on <laughs> Yeah, that is the analogy being drawn. That is what he's being... Explicitly, the yep. build, the room he appears in has got a bookshelf. Yeah. It's, it's a book depository. It's it's yep. fully that. Yeah. The one and only time in history when a book depository has been called that. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm just after the book depository. Deposit me books. Normal. But... There's a pretty stock kid story plot. You know, the, the moral test and saying yes. no, and yes, that was right. You know, just keep fighting evil in your own way, sticking to your good instincts, saving people where you can, uh-huh. and eventually you'll achieve your victory. Is the moral at the end of it. Don't shoot a bloke in the back. 
And, you know, apparently the internet would take issue with that these days. And they believe Sonic <laughs> characters should just kill Robotnik dead. But, you know, I don't feel like that's a discussion we're going to have here. Uh, yes. Doesn't this look shit, though? <laughs> okay. So just to set the scene before we get into the meat of what's really wrong with this. Carl's collage trick has never been more front and centre than it is in these five pages, is it? Yes. We can see lots of mountains in the background. And the building. Well, we saw the buildings in that issue with the fashion consultants just a couple of issues yeah. ago. The same, the same trick. And there's some trees there on the last page as well. But it's all because he hasn't coloured his own work. Yeah. And indeed, because his work has not been coloured to any kind of professional acceptable standard. No. It has been coloured by pre-press. And pre-press are. I had to go. I had to check this. Yeah, I googled same. it to be sure. But yeah, pre-press are the company that has been essentially laying out the comic mm-hmm. for the since about issue eighty-one. Yeah, and that's why I say back when talking about the cover as well, something was being done on a rush here. So yeah. pre-press oh, yeah. had to step in and color this. So the coloring didn't get, oh. and it's digital. The the coloring is obviously digital yeah. as well. It's just flat colors. Yeah, well, there's some gradients. Well, okay, but they're computer ones. But it it looks like pish. Yes, it it's looks not good. Dreadful to the point where there are full-on errors. Like on page one, everyone is interacting around the bank of a river. But pre-press didn't know that, and so it doesn't become a river until page two. Oh yeah, you know what? Didn't even notice that. Yeah, yeah, yeah the water right behind him. Yeah, it's because it, it does. You know, until you've coloured it, it does kind of just look like a dip in the sand yep. or, mm-hmm. or or a bit of shading or whatever. But no, a, a badnik blasts into tails to knock him into this water and instead tails kind of like throws the badnik over into the water and that's the moment it becomes water yep or uh you know the panel where forelock points to the window and says look out the window and his, his sleeve and hand are both completely the wrong color oh golly me yep yes that becomes the hand and sleeve of a different human being doesn't it the yep. oh gosh it all looks very bad it looks very bad. And it's not helped also by like some of Flint's worst eccentricities being on display as well. The collage thing is a bit overwrought with the mountains and everything. And the badniks are just more of those stupid made up monster badniks that he draws. It, worked, it was okay when he did it for Brutus because the whole idea was that they were supposed to be new robots. Yeah. But these are just weirdo nonsense creatures. I'm like, there's real ones, mate. You don't have to do this. Yeah. And also, you know, just some of the perspective, like the panel with the wrong hand pointing. You know, you look out the window and you see the buildings and they, they don't yeah, fit yeah. the perspective of this scene. What plane are they on, yeah? At, at all. So Carl is just reaching into his nearest grab bag of stuff. Oh god, look at Tails' uh, wrists there on the left of the panel with the pointing finger where they've uh, oh. they've coloured the cuffs of his gloves blue and the, the bands of the gloves orange like they were his... Ra- it's, it's, yeah, so they it's, all think re- it's all real bad. That particular one flicks on and off. I mean, just yeah, in the previous does, panel, they're white. There too. Yeah, it's on the last page as well, yeah. But then, uh, as for Carl and his collages, the most interesting panel is the parade one. Yes. Because look at the stuff he's made buildings out of. I mean, that's a camera lens, top right. Yeah, I suppose, yeah. You've got a couple of, like, a handheld lamp or torch for the uh, lights on the front of... Robotnik's car. It's it's all coupled together. It's fascinating what he's doing to make his art, but this is not supported by the colouring at all. No. They don't know what to do with it. 
Yeah, you, you must be right. This has to have been a last minute. Somebody must have been supposed to colour this. I, I'm yeah. glad that you said that pre-press were like doing the layouts because all I could find was the word originating. Origination. I checked yeah. that on a glossary. Yeah, right. Yes, origination is, and I quote from a website called Publishing Terms here, the work and cost involved in producing a book up to the point of manufacture, including editing, design, typesetting, proofing, and indexing, but excluding marketing. So I'm, I'm describing that as yes. laying up for print, specifically, I think. How odd that they have to outsource to, according to my research, leads. That. Like, surely they've got that going on in Tavistock. Maybe it's cheaper. It must be cheaper, but it, it, it's odd, because they've been doing it themselves up till now. Yes, in yes, the this building. is only recent. They've only come in in the last... Uh, what's issue this? 81, issue 7, I think. 81, yes, yeah. only, only a couple months ago. Because like it, it hasn't affected the visual no. appearance or style or design of the book, so all the design work is obviously still going on at Fleetway. I don't think this is a bad story, necessarily. No. Where are you going? Which zone on Mobius are you from? Tails asks at the end, and he says, I didn't say I was from Mobius. <laughs> and he disappears in a ping. So, you know, that's, again, a pretty standard kids cartoon stock plot thing where a stranger who, you don't discover their true nature until the very end yep. of the story, and it turns out they were an alien or they came from somewhere else, yep. you know. And he's called Forlock. That's brilliant. It sounds like Warlock, but it's a horse thing. Yeah. Great. Uh, I didn't get that, actually. Yeah, I didn't get that. Well done. Yes, Forlock. that is good. The bit of hair Forlock. that goes down in front of a horse's face. Forlock. Brilliant. I need sounds like Warlock. I didn't get that. It's like Warlock. Good stuff. I just made the horse connection. <laughs> I wonder what would have happened if I'd made the wrong decision. I guess the easiest targets... Easy target, it was the title of the story. Did you get it? The easiest <laughs> targets aren't always the right ones to aim for. In the next issue, more Tales Adventures in Small Change. I'm ready for a small change. I'm ready for a little break from Tales Stories at this point. Yeah. At least this this one was more comparable to the Echo City one. I think it had a high concept behind it that made it more interesting than the Tales Get Some New Shoes story <laughs> from an issue or two ago, you know? Yeah. And I will say, I still don't think it's as weird as, as Americans and young people make it out to be. Agreed. I feel like a lot of younger people today, and that's a very bad start, so. <laughs> I feel like a lot of younger people today just sort of don't have the understanding of how in the 90s and back when we were young, um, it was okay to use things like this from history and popular yeah. culture in this way. It was actually okay that the Lion King used the fascist iconography of Nazi Germany and the hyenas marching and we didn't gasp and clutch our pearls because something that was a real thing from history got referenced. That was fairly normal. I, I, I mean, I'm pretty yeah. sure it, it was 9-11 that changed that, really. Absolutely, probably right, to be Wasn't honest, it? aren't you? Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, it's been a long time since we talked about it, but the 90s, there was the, the there was that end of history thing. Mm. You know, the 90s... You know, on the on the grand global scale, the Western world wasn't embroiled in any big conflicts anymore. Gulf War was over. Things yeah. were pretty good. and, and um, We thought it was all right, didn't we? <laughs> we, thought it, we thought things were going to be all right for a while there. And then, uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, the problem is that these days... The Soviet Union was over. And these days, the Sonic fans that you tend to hear from being vocal on the internet and making sort of online Sonic culture now are people who weren't born then when 9-11 took place and have since existed. And so they've never existed in a world where, you know... Tales could be Lee Harvey Oswald. 
or you know uh, spider-man could do a cartoon story about heroes from world war ii and you could openly talk about the nazis yeah and captain planet could meet hitler yeah that happened that was the thing that happened you know whereas you know post 9-11 you get marvel cartoons you want to do anything with captain america world war ii it was always hydra he was fighting in world war ii you don't talk about the nazis in cartoons anymore mm. it were different back then yeah and, i mean if that's not the ultimate thesis and you know and i'm not saying it was better or worse. no no i'm just saying it was different and you could do things not that was what got done normally yeah. yeah yeah it wasn't it was it wasn't edgy no it wasn't edgy that's the thing it wasn't edgy at all it was just use of iconography from history yeah didn't they do these already last issue like didn't we get the level select in the supersonic cheat last time i feel like yeah. Hang on, I'm going to get the okay. thing and compare. Oh, yeah. well, 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 just you wait there. Okay. I've got it here, and yes, they absolutely did. The level select code, the supersonic code, and starting the game with 14 continues, all not curiously enough reprinted, written completely differently. But the same cheats. Just and it is the same cheats. They haven't mislabeled them or something. No, no, they're the same. But, but they're written sensibly this time. Should you remember <laughs> last issue we were talking about? Listen to song 19. Press button yes. C. Listen, yeah. This time it just says play sounds 1965, 9 and 17. It says them normally this time. That was the bit that stood out to me. Yeah. Yeah. What? What's going on? I don't know. I don't know, man. Nobody cares anymore. Shambles. Shambles of an issue. <laughs> now, the debug code is here, and it wasn't in the previous issue. Okay. All right, okay. Uh, labeled here as change things around. Yeah, well, debug didn't mean anything. Yeah, no, that's fair enough. I don't really criticize that. It meant nothing. I mean, that we knew that because that's what some things called it, so that's what we knew it was called, but it didn't mean anything. No. What did debug mean? No. We didn't know. But then we switch over to the Master System and Game Gear, so there's at least some new content. Uh-huh. Tells you how to fly that hang glider. And I, I think I've said before, I'm sure I've played these mm. in some capacity oh, on one course. of the collections. Yeah. But I have no memory of it, so I don't know. I played them around Abby's uh, in my teens when I was first going over there. You know, she was like, oh, you should play these, because she had the Game Gear games. So I remember sitting on... The secret Unseen Sonics. Yeah, sitting on the uh, spare bed around Abby's parents' house playing on a Game Gear. Those are the days. Terrible instructions, though. Uh, most boomers have found the hang glider tricky to control. First, the main thing to remember is take a run-up. Okay, fair enough. Keep pressing left on the D-pad and release, as this makes the glider go up. Dot, 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 dot. Also, try not to press left on the D-pad too frequently, as it slows you down. Hmm. Which one is it, David Gibbon? <laughs> well, you're not credited for this, but I'm going to assume it's you, because... It seems about right. <laughs> Unless it's pre-press. The other cheats here, uh, at least this first one with the level select, I remember this from early on mm. in the Q-Zone because I was fascinated by yeah. the way it worked, you know. Turn your master system off, plug your control pad into port 2 and press up, left, diagonal and buttons 1 and 2 together, then turn the console on while keeping them all pressed down. Yes. Like, I like that. <laughs> I always like the incorporation of the thing as a physical item into it, you know. <laughs> So that's level select, but then there's level mm -hmm. cheat, which is what? I mean, I recognize this one again. So the level select is you do that, you hold them all down, and then whenever Sonic runs across the screen, let go, then plug the controller into port one, press button two twice, and the level select will appear. But I do also remember this level cheat. I don't know what the difference is. Press up left on both buttons on the joypad in port two and slowly count to 12. Oh, yeah. I remember that from, yeah. from back when. Now hold up, up and right. And 
Count to five. I don't remember that part, actually. Maybe this is different. Press up, left, on the two buttons again. When Dr. Robotnik goes off the top right of the oval, press up and right until this is... Up, down, left, right, and start. That's all you needed. That's all you needed. It was all... The cheats reached their... Perf- that was the perfect <laughs> format. I'll give you the Konami code. Up, up, down, uh, left, right, left, right, and start. You know, it's, it's all good. But up, down, left, right, and start together. You know, why do we ever need anything else? Maybe this is the same cheat as the one you're remembering. And he's just counting at a different speed. Because we were saying then, count to 12. This says count to 5. How fast? No, no, first it's count to 12, then oh. hold up and right and count to 5. I don't oh. remember the second part of the cheat. It's a multi-part thing. So we still don't know how fast we're supposed to count. Hang on, I'm gonna look at. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna Google it. Yeah, gonna have to. I think. So we're doing a bit of googling to try and figure out what's going on here, and I've just looked up what other people think the cheat is. Like, how do other people describe this? It says here: Sonic the Hedgehog 2, 8-bit, level select, hold down, down and left or southwest on the D-pad, and press one and two at the title screen. That's it. That's not a paragraph. It's a handful of words. Hold down. Down left on the D-pad and press 1 and 2 at the title screen. That's what it says the cheat is. Well, here's one from the Sonic Wiki. On the Game Gear, when the game is booting up, the player has to hold southwest, down left diagonal, mm-hmm. and 1 and 2 at the same time. From there, the player has to continue holding down the buttons as the title screen appears. When Tails blinks twice for the time on the title screen, the player must press the start button while still holding the other three buttons, and they'll enter the level select. On the Master System, ah. when the game is booting up, the player has to hold left along with 1 and 2 on the second controller at the same time. So, controller in port 2. From there, the player has to continue holding down the buttons until the screen turns blue and the inter-animation starts. Then, with controller 1, start the game and it will display the level select. So, yeah, except they've, they've said left, up, left, diagonal, whereas they're saying left here on the Sonic Wiki. <sighs> Yeah, I don't. <laughs> That's just all I, I can don't, say. I don't know anymore, man. What? This is what I'm saying. Up, down, <laughs> left, right. Uh-huh. Why did we ever need anything else? Sonic's World. Future Shock Part 2. Written by Lou Stringer. Art by Roberto Corona. Bob Corona. Colours by Andy Pritchett. Letters by Tom Frame. A three-peat for Tom Frame, this issue. He's all over it. Mm. Making that bank, making that folding money, this issue, Tom. The future Sonic explains that he has come back in time to prevent the other Freedom Fighters from being killed by a drilling machine built by Robotnik in the Candlewick Green Zone. <laughs> See, I knew that I knew that zone name was going to tickle you. <laughs> Please just put yourself in, a, in an echoey voice from earlier in the episode <laughs> yeah. saying, Well, I'm fundamentally into the same things as I was when I was a child now. <laughs> the present day Sonic still doesn't buy a word of it and refuses to go with his friends and his elderly double to find and destroy the machine before it is completed. Good thing too. Because it turns out the future Sonic is working for Robotnik and has led the Freedom Fighters into a trap. Oh no, what a shock. <laughs> I am scandalised. Yes, there's no big surprise uh, here, but I, look, I quite like this. I'm, I'm into this. Yes, yeah, I'm, I'm being uh, Yeah, it's, it's a fun strip, the, I enjoyed this The one, only yeah. downside is that it does take up this whole second part for us to get to that twist. 
which means that, you know, we all knew it from the start of episode one. I feel like if there could have been a... I'm assuming this is only three parts long. It must be. Uh, I don't know, but I'm assuming it feels like it. If it had been four parts long, and they could have drawn it out until the end of part three to have enough credible deniability... You know, mm. that it was credible to maybe think it was going to go one way or another. Make us start believing, yeah. Yeah. I guess so. But no. But as it is, it means that this is, I won't say a wasted episode. No, no, no. But it is the episode where, like, for for, for sophisticated readers like us... Oh, yes, for grown-up boys like <laughs> us. We, But, you know, you read this and you're like, well, I know what's going on, you're just waiting to find out how. That's our question. Yeah. In what way is this Sonic Evil? And unfortunately, we don't find out. No, that's next issue. It's like he's working for Robotnik, but the pretense the issue ends on is still that he's really Sonic come back from the future. Mm. And no, he's f***ing not. I mean, he might be. I, d- I can't remember what the resolution is. I mean, I suppose he could be. I don't, but I doubt it very much. I still want to know. It's going to make us look pretty stupid after repeatedly saying last issue how there was no way he was from the future, if that's how it shakes out. <laughs> Got to give Stringer the nod here again, page one, where uh, Sonic's like, this kind of thing has happened before. I bet it's Metamorphia, mm. the shapeshifter. Yep. Good, yes, you remember yes. it. Well done. But then Tails is like, but Metamorphia lost her shapeshifting powers. It can't be her. Please see, mystery villain, STC 83. It's like, good, yes. Yep. Mm. It's just enjoy it. Enjoy the continuity. Yeah, me too. Makes the argument Sonic is putting out credible. Doesn't mm. make him just seem cynical and mean for the sake of it. Yes, he. we know that he has been through situations like this before. I mean, we also know it won't be this, or if it is this, it won't be for this reason. But we know that if he wants to, Robotnik, or Grimer, can make a realistic Sonic robot see the opening <laughs> scene of the Sonic when, Terminator. Yes. Yeah. So that could be what this is. Could be. Especially since there's time travel involved, because then it's Terminator and robots with realistic skin, normal. Yeah, yeah, well, we said that last issue, didn't we? Yeah, oh yeah. (laughs) But don't know what it is. I want to know. But I'll say this, it's still a good read, because, I mean, the art's lovely again. Yeah, yeah, join Corona in this one. Uh, It's uh, Pritchett's colouring again, yeah, doing a lot for it. Yeah, yeah, put these two together, it's it's great. Really cool panel where all of his friends get killed. (laughs) Yeah, including short fuse, nice to see short fuse there. Listen, I don't know if I've established this fully, but I was someone who enjoyed a story where all of Sonic's friends get killed. <laughs> yep, it's happened a few times at this point, and he enjoyed it so much that, reader, you wrote your own. <laughs> yeah, but, like, it does keep... Ha- it's not just me. Like, it keeps happening. <laughs> yeah, but... Th- <laughs> These are the stories they're writing. You gotta have stakes. <laughs> you have, and the, and the way it works in this is that you see them being flamethrowed. They're all in silhouette, with their bodies dissolving away in this giant column of smoke. Should I say column when it when a column's sideways? What's that called? A row of smoke. <laughs> that's not right, is it? <laughs> column, so it's fine. And all that's left is uh, is Amy's smouldering trainers. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> they were just below the the just row of fire. The fire yeah. yeah. For you, Hedgehog, the war is over. And then is it his ex? So. With the Freedom Fighters dead, there was nobody to stop Robotnik from uh, making things even worse on the Yes, planet. this is all This is all in the flash-forward of old Sonic yes, telling us what's going to gonna happen. what's yeah. happened, yeah. How did you come back in time? And he says, this is total Superman stuff. When he escaped after years of imprisonment, he ran faster than he ever had before and broke the time barrier. Way the time barrier! <laughs> Yes. Remember I used to say that I thought that I did a story where it was like the sound barrier, the time barrier, and then other barriers. Sound, light, time. 
reality. <laughs> I'm, I'm, me and Lou Stringer are on the same page in this story, apparently. Well, the the time barrier is is right out of Silver Age Superman stuff. Is it? Oh yeah, yeah. That's how Superman could just pop to the 31st century to meet the Legion <laughs> of Superheroes whenever he felt like it. You know, just by going fast enough. Yeah, just you just flew faster than, than time, time itself, yeah. and it was like you flew fast enough, you broke the time barrier. And I would gamble that's probably what Stringer yeah. is drawing on himself there. Yeah. And Sonic in the foreground just rolling there is going, oh, what rubbish. <laughs> oh, have you noticed that there's a, look on, in, in the flash forward, there's a sticker on Robotnik's Agamatic that says 3697. So I guess that's when we are, where, you know, this will have been drawn on the 30th of June 96, and they're flashing forward to a whole year, maybe. Oh, maybe, yeah. Very specific, anyway, to have the actual date written on. So this drill is being built in the Candlewick Green Zone. Oh, look at that. Um, so... Explain it for the kids. Okay, so... Camberwick Green. Camberwick. Yes. This is Candlewick. It's referencing Camberwick. Yes. A clever way of referencing it, because of course a candle has a wick. Mm. But Camberwick Green was the name of a television show, part of a trilogy, uh, the most famous being Trumpton. I can't even remember what the other one was called. What was it? Uh, Chigley. Don't think I knew that one, to be honest. And they were kids' TV series from the 60s, where it was stop-motion animation, depictions of a lovely little town where all the little people walk around it, it it kind of looked like it looked like everyone was made of wood almost oh. like they were all little figurines not cracker soldier type things yeah little soldiers yeah or the little guys that come out of a clock and bang little bells they sort of look like that and it was just gentle and quite nice the end really like there's not much to say about it uh, but one of them was called Campbell Green and that was the one I was into because at the start of every episode you had a little this, this wasn't in the other series you had a little music box and out of it it would iris open at the top and out of it would curl as if it was part of the mechanics of this music box just somebody on a platform and then that episode would be about them and I used to do that in the bath by uh, taking a little toy and making it come out of the bubbles oh I thought you meant you did it yourself up out of the bath water no 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 of, uh, twisting himself upright I wonder if I did do that believe in my heart of hearts that I could get under the bubbles of a, of a shallow child's bath. I don't know. Well, you're quite small. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that's... There's no reason for it to be a reference here. Nope, it's, it's just, just a little charming yeah. British reference of the type you expect Lou Stringer to make. Yeah. You know, while also referencing Silver Age Superman. You know, these are the two mm. circles of the Venn diagram at the heart of which lies Lou Stringer. <laughs> and that, that's about it, yeah. The Freedom Fighters start to get a little suspicious when they don't find anything right away. <laughs> well, Amy does. Tails is like, yeah, he could be Sonic. Though he hasn't called me Pixel Brain yet. He did last issue, actually, Tails. Oh, no! Oh, no! <laughs> Pixel Brain! Oh, that's <laughs> such a good little tell, if not. But he did, okay. I mean, I'm too fast for you, Pixel Brain. Yeah. Oh. Uh, you know, that's like whenever Brutus calls Sonic Spikeball. Yeah. Or in Sonic the Human, whenever the mum called him yeah. Spikeball, and that was the tale. You know, but no. Anyway, Sonic uh, burrows through a wall, and on the other side of the wall is Robotnik and Grimer and some troopers and some, some like cool robot cats. This is it. This is what I was going to bring up. The troopers all have, on the end of leads, guard panthers mm. made of gold. <laughs> All right, 
It's a bit Bond villain, but I like it. That's fine. It's good. Yeah, you know, why not? Exactly, why not? I, love I mean, it. it's it's good to see it. This is this is a story where Robotnik has come out to do his own dirty work. Yeah, and it's nice that this time he's brought some dudes <laughs> instead of dressing himself up as yes. a chicken and coming out unprotected. <laughs> For this, I shall need some dudes, Scriber. Yes, I thought you'd never ask, Doctor. I want the baddest dudes we have. <laughs> Are you a bad enough dude to protect Robotnik? Uh, no. Okay, are you a bad enough dude? Yes. Just going down the line. <laughs> but if that is the future Sonic, Johnny says, that means he's become a bad guy. Uh. You better believe it, dudes. I work for Robotnik now. Next issue, the tantalizing truth. <laughs> tantalizing truth is, it's probably a robot or a clone. I'm, I am interested to see which one it is, though. Yes, and unfortunately, like, I'm placing a lot of judgment on that, and I don't want to, but I can't help it. That's it. It's got to have an... In- we've, we've known since yeah. page one that it's not. Yeah, so, so what the, is it, it, then? What it is has to be interesting to make the whole story worthwhile. Exactly. You know, maybe, maybe, like, like. Okay, so here's a total hypothetical. Mm-hmm. I have no memory of how this story ends. Say it is a clone. Yeah. That would imply that if we're adhering to the traditional children's media logic of a clone just being a direct copy of a person with their mind and their memories and their personality and everything as well, that would mean he would have to have been brainwashed in some capacity to be evil and work for Robotnik. Uh So maybe the payoff is the clone remembers his true heroic sonicness and winds up saving everybody at the end. There's an idea for you. And if that's the payoff and they pull it off, well, that's good. But I don't think it'll be that because that would leave Lou with the question of what to do with him at the end. Oh, I imagine he'll die. I imagine he's had his aging artificially accelerated to sell the illusion of him being yeah. from the future and he'll crumble away to dust at the end. If that's... Put it, it in the spreadsheet. That's it. Lock it in. Get it in the pool. That's my that's my prediction. No, I don't think so because even though you're right that that's a, how the story should end, I don't think they'll show Sonic's death in this comic. It's not death if he crumbles to dust. Or disappears into wisps of smoke. Special case. Hello, STC. I live in Germany. Oh, you can get uh, fun online there. (laughs) And I have a subscription to STC. However, this doesn't include the Sonic or Knuckles specials, which I want desperately. As I can't go to the UK to buy them, and I don't know anyone over there who could send them to me, could you please let me know how I can order them? And that is from the man, the myth, Alessandro Sanasi from Stein in Germany, Sega Mega Hogtag winner. Sent via email. Yeah, sent via email indeed. Because Alessandro, he was having online fun. (gasps) Alessandro is the hen sitting on the nest of early STC online web presence. (gasps) What? This man gave me the last sticker I needed to complete my Sonic sticker album. Oh, shit! This is the man who gave me the Sonic anime on CD in real media format. This is the man who... (laughs) This is Alessandro. Megadroid replies, For you, Alessandro, and any other boomers who've had difficulty obtaining these specials or back copies, contact AIM Limited, Subscriptions Department, PO Box 10, Sunderland SR46SN, England, Telephone 0191510229. There's obviously a different code from Deutschland. 
very, very helpful, very yeah. useful. But remember that parent humes can be a bit odd about international calls being made, even if it is in honour of a certain blue hedgehog. Now, is this where you got the number to call to get a Knuckles Knuckle? No, you've got your Knuckles Knuckard special already, don't you? Or do oh, you? Oh, that's right. I've just got it, haven't I? Yeah, we, from the diary zone, we know you've got it already, don't we? Yeah, we must have just looked them up in the yellow pages or Maybe, something. Yeah, yeah. And as we know, uh-huh. they only had one copy left. <laughs> yeah, so I'll just send it to you. Yeah. So Alessandro was sh- out of oh, luck. Oh, he may well have been. I don't know. He had a way of getting hold of things. Um, no. So as, so Alessandro, yeah, he had one of the first websites that acknowledged Sonic the Comic. I didn't realise we were in the presence of history here. And it's still there. He has kept that website unchanged and hosted all this time with a meticulous update list. So I was able to find out what it was that he was putting up there at the very time this issue came out. The very We can find out what he was updating his Sonic website. This is amazing. Right I love this. Then. This is amazing. What? Tell me. Such as... The very first update ever listed on his website, which was July the 13th, 1996, when he put up some information about the Sonic anime. He later puts a translation of it up on his website. He sent me a CD-ROM with that translation as a text file and the two episodes of the Sonic anime as separate RMs because they hadn't put them together yet because it was only in Japanese. It wasn't dubbed yet. It wasn't translated. Yeah, I made it over yet. And you had to just scroll through the script and read along with it as you went. What online fun we had back in those days. Such as uh, the July the 28th upload of a sample of the song I'm the King of the Ring, an early internet Sonic banger. Such as on September the 15th, when uh, Alessandro uploads a profile of Ruby the Echidna, a friend uh, whose creator went on to beat Abby to a job drawing for Archie Comics, giving Abby one of her most prized pieces of Sonic paraphernalia, a letter from Ken Penders saying she isn't good enough at drawing. (laughs) Stop! We interrupt this recording to bring you whatever it is that Abby wanted to say now. Well, I just wanted to say, to be fair... Uh-huh. Like, Dawn's legit awesome. Oh, and yeah, yeah. Totally, just Dawn totally, rules. like, was so much better than me, oh, little yeah. baby Abby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fair. Like, it's worth pointing out. <laughs> I was thinking, the only thing there is it makes it sound like I could draw like that. Like you were snubbed. <laughs> right, <laughs> like, right, right, no, right. No, 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 no. No, I was a baby thinking, I could draw for Sonic. Yeah, sure. Like, <laughs> yeah, no, that is fair enough. And like we we look we both looked up to Dawn already, didn't we? Oh, we were like, oh gosh, she's cool yes. at drawing something. Yeah, no. Like no. just when we were just kids who knew each other, she was someone who was good yeah. at drawing. No. Um, I just wanted to interrupt and go, Dawn is cool. And I Dawn still really cool. like her. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, okay, bye. But Alessandro's most recent update was on September the fifteenth, when he added an Avi video file of Sonic Extreme. So he's right there because that was still supposedly on the horizon. That's actually a genuine scoop there. He's got some very early footage of that. So that's what's happening right now on this Sonic Internet, which I can confirm exists. It's It exists right now. I'm not on it. I won't be on it for a few months yet. But apparently Sonic is going on on the Internet right now. And in here is a little glimpse at it ahead of time. There'll be more to come. 
Gosh, what a strange time this is printed in. I did not realise mm-hmm. we were staring down the barrel of history like this. I just yeah. assumed this was some letter. Yeah. Dear STC, this one comes from Jeffrey Pierce from Cape Town in South Africa. Another international one sent mm. in by email. Uh, asks, even though I live in South Africa, I've been collecting STC since it began. My favourite comic strip is Decap Attack, which is so funny. Will the mad decappers be returning in the future? <laughs> to... Well, I misread that one. <laughs> I read that completely differently as an adult. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's written to right, Jeff. To F dash right, Jeff. To F right, Jeff. Lunacy is looming as the Professor Chuck and Igor make a monster comeback in STC eighty nine. Yes. Will we be getting rid of Tails and getting some decap? Oh, that's that's got to be it, right? What? Next issue will be the last Tails, and then they replace it with a bit of decap. That's got to be it. Oh, that's what could we have hoped for better? Do you know what else, though? Do you know what else I realised? Is I'm pretty sure now, and this is quite reassuring based on what we've been saying about Tails, I'm pretty sure that this is when decap just becomes a strip in the comic. Oh, It's like, no... Barring an issue or two when it'll drop uh-huh. out and they'll maybe bring Tails or Chaotix yeah. back or whatever instead. But basically, from now until the comic goes one new strip, three reprints, uh-huh. it's Decap Attack's just a fixture. Oh, I think, now. wow. There cool. will be some issues it's not in yeah. just because. But I think I think this is the, the, the start of Decap as a regular feature. Regular features. Oh, what tastes they turn out to have all along. <laughs> <laughs> A shade better. Dear Megadroid, I'm glad to see that Sonic the Hedgehog 2 is being featured again in the Q-Zone. Well, I'm glad somebody is. Well, d- d- again and again and again. <laughs> all appearances. Uh, also, I thought I'd let you know that those shades you wear make you look as cool as a penguin with frostbite. From Paul Edwards, Erdington, Birmingham, Sega Mega Hog Tag winner. I adore Megadroid's <laughs> response. STC aims to please, Paul. As for the shades... Well, it's to cover up the glazed, lifeless look I've developed since I began mixing with the humans who think they're in charge. (laughs) (laughs) That's good. That's good. Love it. Some pictures this issue. You realise how starved you are for some pictures when you don't have a graphic zone. I don't mind not having a graphic zone, Mm. but it makes it all the more worthwhile. From Jennifer Kitching, no relation one presumes, in Yarn. I'm not sure. Nigel lived in Cleveland. It could better. Oh well, if he lived in Yarm Cleveland, and this is from Jennifer. And... Yeah, I think I'll I'll ask, and I'll ask if it's all right to mention it if it's true. <laughs> I did, and it is. He says yes. This was a drawing by his daughter. He says happy for you to mention it, and feel free to speculate if it was pure chance that her drawing was chosen. <laughs> So we shall speculate together. The caption says, Who said Dr. Robotnik didn't have a heart? Because it's another one of those Dr. Robotnik in love type pictures. But instead of drawing like a girl Robotnik with a pink moustache or whatever, like some (laughs) of the great pictures we've seen recently, this is Dr. Robotnik, a kind of a Mr. Blobby looking Dr. Robotnik. (laughs) I don't know what makes me... It's something about the mouth and its hideous grin. Well, he's got a lemon-shaped head, Mm. which is interesting. He's got a, I want to say a Pib and Pog mouth, if that reference means anything to you. Yeah, it's not bad, yeah. yeah. And he's got um, an extended trouser region. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. 
And he's holding hands with a lady who is in uh, a vaguely Robotnik-esque costume, but it's in green and blue. Yes, it's a, as far as I can tell, a bespoke female Robotnik-type yes. character design here. The crosshairs of Robotnik's thing with yes. the belt buckle and the lines going up and out to the side is, is turned uh, 45 degrees, so it's diagonal with the straps come down over her shoulders and down to her waist. And that's the, good, the isn't it? That's yeah, a good yeah. bit of character design, that. And that's green and blue, and she's wearing a skirt and high heels, and, you know, otherwise all the usual symptoms of femininity. I do apologise, Dave, I've left the football one for you to talk about. Oh, no! Okay, so Joel Guthel and Andy Wong from Leon C. Essex have together, um, no attribution of, of who contributed what, did what? Yep. drawn a picture of Sonic playing football with who I assume is a quite good caricature here, of Ryan Giggs. I, I don't even know what Ryan Giggs looks like. Not a clue. But it says, even faster than Giggs, and there is a man w- with all the bearing of having been drawn quite well. Yes. I even wonder if it's, a, you know, at this age, and uh, as in this age, as in 14 and younger, I was, whenever I wanted to draw a recognisable person, I was copying an existing drawing of that person, mm-hmm. so I don't know yeah. whether they did this themselves. But, you know, he's just, you know, Sonic's faster than him, and he's going, wow, and he's trying to catch up, and he can't, and Sonic's at Euro 96... Because it says that on the, the placard thing around the edge of the pitch next to a McDonald's one. And Sonic's kicking a ball. And it's a good drawing, this. It's well a done. Good one. It's good. It feels like it should uh, have more space. Deserves to be bigger mm. in a graphic zone yeah. rather than the. They've squinched it down here. They haven't warped its aspect ratio like they have with Dr. Robotnik, but. Well, I think that's what's happening here. I think they've recognised this is a really good one. So they haven't squinched it. And so it has to be small because that's the width of a, of a column. Yeah, that's it. Anything in our mailbag this week? Yeah! It's your letters! It's your letters! It's your letters! It's your letters! Oh, you're gonna like this, Chris. This is something that I think you'd be interested in. One of our readers has followed up on something we talked about on our last published episode at time of recording. Although not the last one, from our perspective, because we've recorded more. Yes, that was episode 84. Hmm. It's from Ian Callister who says, Greetings, boomers and humes who think they're in charge. The subject of the Sega channel, and whether or not it existed in the UK, has come up on the podcast a few times. So I wanted to drop a line and let you know that not only did it happen, but that I was lucky enough to have had it as a kiddo. Good God. One of ten. Yep. And this is in the UK. It was available via our local cable, phone, and television provider, Telewest Communications. Local. Yes, we remember the name from looking it up, Telewest, yes. Uh, local for myself, writing from Liverpool, now defunct, bought by ITV Digital, and subsequently auctioned off to Virgin Media. We signed up for the service in mid to late 96 and were subscribers through until the service was discontinued sometime in 1997 by Telewest, and, according to my mum, who I spoke to for more information here, after problems with the service being unable to meet bandwidth demands. No surprise. I did read something, didn't I, in that issue about problems with the service causing it to cut out in 97, yeah. It would repeatedly crash around tea time, says Ian, when boomers across the northwest were home from school and work and the bandwidth got strained. I wasn't the bill payer and the person who was doesn't remember, so I'm not able to tell you how much it cost to subscribe to the service. I think we found that out, didn't we? Ten pounds, wasn't it? Yes, I think so. So here's how it worked. The service came with a large, chunky black and blue cartridge oh. featuring the Sega Channel logo on it, the gravestone that we observed before, yeah, yeah. Uh, about 15 by 15 by 3 centimetres, which plugged into the top of your Mega Drive console. Into that was plugged a power supply and a TV and phone mm. data cable. Oh, a phone data mm. cable as well. Yeah. Same as would have gone into any cable TV box. Of course. Well, that, that helps it make a bit more sense then. I Doesn't didn't realise you had to plug your phone in. Yes. 
I suppose they could have done it in the old, you know, ZX Spectrum burble some sounds and get it to read that as data way, but it would have taken time. Oh god, the amount of data. Yeah. The cartridge worked as a sort of modem, essentially allowing you to access a web page where you could browse the available swag through your Mega Drive console. Now, I'm uncertain about this part, but I do recall there being a Sega Channel TV channel on the cable TV service, which you may have had to be watching to get it to work. I could believe that. Now, Mm. well, this makes me wonder. Obviously, he wasn't the bill payer, so he doesn't know. So now I wonder, were you paying for For calls calls Mm. as as well as your monthly subscription fees? And that's what I wonder. Now that I know you plugged the phone in. It would take the piss if you were. Yeah, absolutely. Massively. But also would explain the failure. It was quite fun to use at first. The web page would update monthly, sometimes weekly, which always resulted in issues getting the thing to work, while Telewest, quote, changed the disc, according to their tech support at the time, (laughs) with an updated roster of games and even demos. As is common knowledge for the US market, quite a few of the games on the service were Sega Channel exclusive. I remember it having taken ages to load up each game, presumably while the tiny little 1996 powerhouse dial-up modem downloaded the game ROM, but when it did, they played perfectly. Highlights of my time on the service were getting to play the demo of Sonic 3D, both acts and boss of the first zone, prior to its release. Earthworm Jim 2, Mega Man Wily Wars, and I had to read that carefully, and a Sega Channel exclusive game, Rarity, Pulseman, developed by Game Freak of Pokemon fame. I don't know Pulseman. My brother spent a lot of time playing Shadowrun, oh wow, and silly sports games nobody cares about, like FIFA or Championship Manager. Lowlights of the service were the long load times, to be expected of the tech at the time in retrospect, Batman Forever, shudder, Mm. and frequent service outages and crashes which, as mentioned, worsened considerably as more people subscribed and led to the service being canned by our provider. There you go. So, happy to have been able to give you a bit of information on the topic. Hopefully this email finds the STCTP team well. (laughs) Thank you, it does. Fascinating. Yeah. Feel free to email back if you've got any other specific questions about it. I'll do my best to answer. Hope to see some of you at TF Nation next weekend. Yay, both of us in <laughs> fact. And you did see us there at time of release of episode. Well, don't jinx it. Yeah, I suppose so, yeah. Is a week left in real time. Don't jinx it. Please and thank you. From Ian, he's ever so nervous. Ian, MemphisR56 on Twitter, Liverpool. Genesis, Game Gear with tuner and Dreamcast owner. Never a, wa- a Sonic Water Fun game re... No. Sort of uh, Sonic Water Never the sort of water, 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 water. <laughs> never, never the sort of thing. It was never the sort of thing. None of this or any of that. <laughs> P.S. Uh, last line should read "Water Fun Game Winner." Sorry. Oh, oh, he he, he anticipated my problem. Uh, no, it's because he wrote "Never a Sonic Water Fun Game Reader," and I got all muddled. God, it it still doesn't seem real to me. I uh, thank you very much for that, like on the ground reporting. I, I, I but the idea that it ever actually existed in this country sounds like a fairy tale, like a superhero or a zombie or a cowboy or Father Christmas. It was imaginary and made up. Or Spider Man, or that PC that's got a mega drive slot remember i do vaguely remember yeah that was one of the adverts classified pages in a very early issue no that never happened made up yeah fake news we've got another one here this is from john who says dear dave and chris of sttv i have been listening from the beginning of the podcast which has been fun to say the least hearing you all talk about this forgotten chapter of the series life i've been a fan of less of the forgotten we remember it yeah yeah, no forgotten right here (laughs) bringing it back 
enshrining it. I think we are. I think we're successfully bringing it back. So to I think we've done it, yeah. I've been a fan of Sonic in the game since 93, 94, but I didn't get on board with the comic until the mid to late 80 mark of the comic, which you'd be at by the time you guys read this. Later on, no, yep. Mainly because I barely went to the newsagents that was in the village I lived, and in turn, never saw it advertised until it was shown to me by a school friend. Uh, you see, the time to go to a newsagent when you're a kid, it's not in the village. It's just near your school, or near the bus for the school or like it's when you get that first bit of independence and you're on your way into school you nip in and you'd be like oh look at this oh look oh sweets all refreshers mm, oh well. cold drops mm. yeah of course i was in a family that couldn't get me all the latest stuff being the youngest of three and i would get hand-me-downs and many things including games consoles though stc was the one exception and i would start buying the only copy of stc that would show up every fortnight right up till 203 where i fell off due to disinterest of the repeated stories and by that time the entertainment value with consoles like the sega dreamcast was fueling my sonic fix more than the comic anyway mm. to the reason of this email i now work at a high street news agent stroke retailer in charge of newspapers and magazines but one day last year while in the stockroom organizing christmas cards to my bewilderment i saw this on one of the walls of the stockroom and we are looking at a picture of some chipboard on which is a transfer of a shouting Dr. Robotnik from STC. Oh my god. Yeah, a sticker of Dr. Robotnik from a set that is clearly from an issue of STC, which would have to have been here for well over 20 years by now. Amazing. So a question to you two. Have you ever seen Sonic stickers, doesn't have to be from STC, plastered in a place outside of a kid's bedroom or family home that made you think, who put this here? Like in a workplace or some other public place. Cheers for the good times and laughs reminiscing this awesome comic. For had I not read it, I wouldn't have had the online handle I call myself today, which I briefly talked about for Sega of Europe, Sonic's 30th birthday video. Link. From John Turbo Finley, Master System Mega Drive, Multi-Mega Saturn and Dreamcast owner. Uh, P.S. Not a Sonic and Knuckles jacket winner, but rather Sonic and Knuckles jacket owner. And he is photographed here in just the jacket we have dreamed of, Chris. With the patch on the back? Yeah. Denim jacket, patch on the back, Sonic and Knuckles logo, nice and big. And on the front, he's got the Sega logo above the breast pocket, just like we saw on eBay. And actually, I'm looking at a photo of, uh, of him, uh, and past him I can see what appears to be a framed picture of Metal Sonic, or Metallics. No, I have not ever seen a Sonic sticker randomly placed in the wild that made me think that. No! Why on earth would you have? What, what an unusual thing for, for him to have requested whether we have. But I have, yeah! Not that weird, then. Not that, Apparently not that weird! Uh, my first, what I would call, comic shop, which was a shop called, ooh, something like Another World, or... Mm. Worlds Apart, or something with world. Yeah, mine was called Dark Side Comics. Yeah. yeah they, all had, they all had names like that back then. That is a straight-out-of-space comic shop name. Well, this is before space. Of course. If space was very observationally accurate. <laughs> um, this was... Um, yes, I think I've mentioned it before. You know, it, it went there for a friend's 14th birthday. The friend who got his letter printed in STZ, in fact, mm. went back some years later when I think I was already at university and I'd found out that, oh, it turns out that stuff like the upcoming Spider-Man uh, originates in comics, and I'd be quite interested to see that sort of thing. So I went into this shop wondering if they had that sort of thing, but also in the market for, uh, you know, subbed versions of the Pokemon movie in Japanese because I'd heard there were extra scenes. Rot like that. Didn't find it. Did find it. Didn't purchase it because I realised at the moment that, like, 
Oh, wait, what a stupid idea. And um, I don't care about this. Yeah, <laughs> wait a minute. Um, but upstairs, uh, I was poking about. I found some uh, little finger bobs of Pokemon characters. And I found uh, Stupid Stupid Rat Tails, my introduction to Jeff Smith's Bone. And I bought ah. that. That was very good. And there, as I was looking around the darker corners of the upstairs area to see if they had the soundtrack album to Final Fantasy VII, they did, but it was £50 and I wasn't paying that. Just on one of the walls... I think it was the wall where, like, the button for the lift, but there wasn't a lift, but it was for the staff to use for stock boxes. There was a Knuckles on the wall there, and it was very obviously Sonic 3 vintage. Uh, presumably what that means is he was pink. Maybe he was red and he was Sonic and Knuckles vintage, but it was the way it was printed, you could tell it was an old sticker stroke transfer. And I think there was a couple of them. There was a Knuckles, and there may have been the Sonic and Knuckles logo. And I just remember being like... What I really want to know is where that came from and why that hmm. is there and who put it there and what's going on and tell me everything about it. But the other thing I had to contend with is, I'm 18. I'm not going to do that. You can't ask. <laughs> you can't <No>. ask. <laughs> I'm a man now. Heaven forfend as an adult I could talk about Sonic the Hedgehog in a public setting. Good gracious. Also, nobody would have known... So, yes is the answer, John. Funny you should ask. I'm sorry, I didn't have a more interesting answer because I really enjoyed that. <laughs> <laughs> and if you boomers want your questions answered and letters read out and voices played, then send all of those things to stctpodcast at gmail.com. Notice there's just one P, stctpodcast, or stctpodcast if you prefer at gmail.com. Well, that'll take us to the end of another issue. Next issue, they're, this is the thing they're going with. This is the thing that they think <laughs> is worth giving the image over to, is the In Your Face Knight's Pinup. Sega's latest Saturn release. Look, I, it, okay, look, part of me thinks this is a good thing because it's the next Sonic team game. It's the big Saturn game. They're finally actually pushing yes, the Saturn yes. as if it's a thing that really exists. The only problem with it is they stop. There's no Knight's comic. There's not enough Knights coverage to make yeah. anyone really want the game. It all flops. It kind of doesn't become a thing. I, I think STC could have really pushed this yeah. and done some Knights stuff. Why wasn't there a Knights comic? Like, honestly, what the hell? I mean, you have to assume it's because a decision was made yeah. to not do this anymore. Yeah. Because otherwise, why wouldn't you? Or a decision was made above them. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Because it's but, but then Decapitex coming back into it. That's what so, I mean. I that, yeah. Either way, either editorial of STC or someone at Sega said no more of that, and yet somehow Decapitex gets Decapitex snuck through somehow. Yeah. <laughs> New stories: Sonic the Ultimate Nightmare, Tails, Small Change. I will bet it's a shrinking story. Yep. I bet he gets shrunk. Yeah. Plus, Sonic's World, Final Future Shock. It is the end of the story. Final Future Shock. Knuckles, Hard Cell. Cell like a prison cell. Yeah. Q-Zone revisited Sonic 2 and 3. Oh, they're going to drag out some more Sonic 2, are they? Okay. I don't know what the... It must be more Master System stuff. I don't know. It'll be the level select cheat, I should think. <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah, we need to get that one in there. And Pixel Zone Computer Graphics. Reviews. Echo and Comic Zone. Are we doing retro reviews again? Apparently are we are. Are brought back out on this... It is the death by a thousand cuts, isn't it? Oh dear, oh dear. <laughs> STC Idiot on sale Wednesday, the 2nd of October, 1996, £1.20 still. And there we go. If you want to listen to that, 
then you'll be able to find it on our website when it comes along. That is stctp.zone. Oh, love it. Oh, oh, love oh, it so oh. much. It's also available in places good podcasts can be found too. Yeah. If you're looking to speak at us directly, you can at us at Sonic Podcast on Twitter. And we're both on there individually as well. I am at Chris McFeely. And I am at Demon Tomato Dave. And we will be there for as long as we don't drop into poverty and disappear off the face of the earth. And you can stave that off by subscribing to our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash stctp where you can get exclusive things we've made all videos we're covering the martin adams novels that came out concurrent with the first uh, year of stc yeah and there's also the terrible tragic saga of <laughs> dave's fan fiction the end of mobius which it's 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 there you can you can you can <laughs> you, you can, can look listen at that to it. i don't know if i recommend it but you can definitely do it depends how much you like watching me suffer yes frankly that is the selling point yes our opening theme was called synchronize and it's by a band called sonic the comic who you can find at a website called sonicthecomic.bandcamp.com but we have been sonic the comic the podcast and we will see you next, next time, time. Yes, origination is, and I quote from a website called Publishing Terms here, the work and cost involved in producing a bup, a bup. End quote.